I'm back. Hello, hello. He's back. And mysterious voice in the background, as you can all hear. Ariakas is with us. Um, uh, so, as is always the case, going back to traditional format and everything that we do here in Stats, I have to ask our absolutely wonderful guest how he's doing first, which nowadays is Carlo. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I'm genuinely very happy to be home. Not that I didn't enjoy the US, but uh, I was I was away from home for like over a month in the end, four and a half weeks. Uh, so it was good to get back to finally sitting at this computer all day long uh, as of yesterday. And uh, really, actually genuinely was quite happy to get back to it and um, kind of start doing some stats stuff straight away, fixing some stuff that people... Uh, People have been asking me to do for a while. Got the Martel, got the Martels on. Fix some things. Still been, uh, still been uh, go 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 since I got home. Yeah. Um. And uh, I mean, it's, it's to to put it in perspective, just have how ridiculous it has been. Uh, if Carlo keeps changing, by the way, that's Ariakas. He's trying to sort his camera out, so don't worry about it, guys. Um. Uh. If. Uh, yeah, if, if anything to go by, I, uh, Carlo was kind of like back home yesterday. I think he said he got one at one. And from like two o'clock onwards, he was doing stuff for A Song of Ice and Fire on the site and other things like rules and stuff. Um, so quite Until literally. 2 a.m. Yeah, it was 2 a.m. he's finished. Yeah, yeah, I did 12, hour, did 12 hours straight. First of all, first of all, I fixed uh oh i fixed why people weren't turning up in the rankings that bit uh that bit took me that bit was very fast then we went on to uh me and Lee teddy uh sat down and we did the uh the lgt faq and mm -hmm. then uh, i moved on to putting martels into the site fixing other things uh kind of all sorts of stuff uh varimir was there you know so it was a fun-filled night and honestly uh, i've been missing it a little bit uh i'm not gonna say i'm gonna do 12-hour days every day for the next week but uh it was nice to jump back and uh do some uh, do some stuff and yeah as everybody's noticed i am wearing uh, my cowboy hat which was a uh, very kind gift from Dave Metcler from uh, Small Council Radio. So I feel I have to wear it. Nice. Now, uh, also joining us, uh, and again, uh, we'll see how he's been doing. Because you mentioned there that Martels have been added to the Stats Builder, uh, in case anyone hasn't noticed the logo above and the slightly changed format. Um, Ariakas. Ariakas is here joining us, Clarence. Um, and he... If anyone didn't know, basically played a shit ton of Martel. <laughs> I got three games in, yes. <laughs> and how did that go? Uh, the first game was super tight, super close. Um, I thought that uh, I had, you know, I was, I was trying out the Dorn NCU, trying to get the six VPs. I thought the scenario was kind of favorable in a way. Um, I was able to stay away from most of the game, but uh, at the end, he was able to catch up and, and table me the very last second uh, to, to win. But it was very, very close, very exciting. I was happy to perform with pretty much just a starter and uh, Heroes 1. And then my next two games, um, I tried an Oberyn uh, poison kind of list, trying out the Manticore poison. Um, it leans heavily on neutrals, uh, as I think most factions, I mean, as new factions will. Um, they went, and it went pretty well. It was actually pretty successful. Cool. That's what I like to hear. I like to hear it when uh, 
when good players look at things, they try things out and they say, yeah, it works or yeah, it doesn't work, you know, um, getting a good feel for it from uh, from a player who, you know, isn't just going to literally just throw quite literally anything on the board and go, ah, oh, look, it's fun. Um, not saying that anyone can't do that, right? Anyone can do that. It's just that, you know, I know I, I trust Ariakas' list building to build lists that are competent, I assume, and then him to try them out at least with some form of game plan in mind. Um, <laughs> I might be wrong. He might be a pile of shit, but, you know, he hasn't proved that yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's let's dive in with the Martels, first of all. Um, and we'll just get dive, literally dive straight into it. Prepare for a long one, guys. Like, this could be a while. We've got shit tons to talk about. We've got the Martels. We've got an FAQ. We've got another FAQ. We've got what the fuck Carlo is actually big on going and doing in the world of A Song Ice on Fire and his own little world, which he carries around with him in his, in his like, fake suitcase. In, in that hat. I carry it around in this hat. Is it just under the under the lid, yeah? Um, yeah. Then we'll obviously talk about uh, Ariakas' experiences and... If we finally manage to fucking get there, we will talk about Ariakas's coming up Great Canadian Open, which is quite literally next weekend, um, which is quite convenient to have him here. Uh, <laughs> so, let's get started. Right. This is where everything goes to pot first term. Anyone who's never seen this uh, show before, where the hell have you been? And also, it never works first time, right? So... In theory, ah, close enough. It didn't start where I wanted to start because it, it started close enough. So first of all, we have uh, game-breaking piece number one. NCU commanders are back. Ish. <laughs> um, to be fair, like the if anyone doesn't know, this is Doran Martel five point commander NCU. Um, and the solution was you just make him four or five points and then you give him an on-field attachment for free as a commander. Now, mm -hmm. all the way back, I want to say in like episode maybe 20 or 30 of Tourney Ground, uh, I'd have to find the exact reference. We basically discussed getting rid of NCU commanders and then what you would do instead, right? Because of the dominance in 1.6. Mm -hmm. This was something that people's players suggested. Like it was not just us. The community said this could be a solution, and they've done it. Um, yeah, way back then, um, the power of the um, the power of the NCU commander wasn't just that it was a free NCU, a free activation, a free thing that you were going to buy anyway, um, but the kind of complication that it added, and even now in modern game modes, the complication it would add if you didn't have an on-field commander. And it was very regular back then for people to field zero attachments in their entirety. There is not a single named or unnamed attachment on the battlefield. They only have combat units and NCUs. And of course, this means that um, it's interaction with um, Clash of Kings, it's interaction with Fire and Blood and things like that all become um, much more complicated. Um, and so they've now finally gotten around to this idea and this concept that if somebody very specific like Doran is going to be a commander but can only be an NCU, that you need the on-field proxy for everything to work out. 
And I think that the whole package um, probably works out reasonably well. You know, I haven't thought about him that specifically. The five points, eh, I don't think he's a great NCU in himself. Yeah. Um, but I do actually think that, um, was it is, is, is pronounced Hota? Ario Hota, I believe, yes. Hota, Hota. Uh, Hota is actually a very good attachment. Like, he is a very good free commander attachment. So, Doran being an okay NCU at five seems like an overall package that you know you're not you're not too uh, too uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I have nothing to add to that. I think it is just uh, it's just pretty strong. Um, so yes, um, Ariakas, any further thoughts on that? Uh, no, I think that uh, the way they implemented him uh, is as good as we can have hoped. Uh, yeah, five points is definitely expensive, especially because um, Martels have kind of joined neutrals in that they're the, I guess, only other faction that doesn't have a point or four point activation. So having a five point NCU means that they are um, going to be running, you know, pretty much seven activations. And unlike Baratheons, who can kind of get away with it with armor and lots of healing, they're kind of the opposite, very squishy. So there is some healing here. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right then, so let's dive in to where all this takes us, what it looks like, and uh, wow, everything's going wrong today. But the heat, right, if anyone can't hear that beeping behind me, has meant that my fridge freezer can no longer keep itself cool enough. So it quite literally, every couple of hours, starts beeping. I have to go and switch it off to switch it back on again. The most annoying thing in the world. So while I go and do that, let's talk about his attack, uh, his NCU, first of all. Uh, and then we'll move on to Aero's attachment. Aero's attachment. So the NCU, uh, it's fairly straightforward. It replaces a zone with giving a pivot and march or a retreat to Aero Hota. There you go. Let's, let's put it this way. If you offered me this NCU for five, I wouldn't buy him, right? But like, you have to wrap up the whole package together really because a hota i would take as a good zero free attachment commander um and you know his uh and 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 his and his cards uh you know fine i don't think that any of the martels have really like blow away cards but this this would be great if it allowed a charge now pivot then march is powerful Retreat at any time can be useful, but overall, I think that he's not giving a lot as an NCU here. No. I, I I don't think it's bad by any stretch. I don't think it's like a piece of trash and like this is terrible for five value. Um, but I agree that it's not good value either. It's just it it, it if you're taking a Doran list, you kind of are pushing yourself into this position where this should be something that your opponent is worried about with hotar so you have to play around the fact that hotar doesn't have to be an expensive unit but it should be a threatening unit um so you know that pivot and march i play a lot of pivot and march with um with oh karma karma yes thank you oh, forgot a name there and pivot and march is very strong like very strong um especially in like base six or base seven movement units uh which uh, as we're going to see a lot of the martel stuff is base six movement so um 
So this could be pretty good. Uh, but not on its own. You know, you're, you're having to immediately build around the commander straight away, which is a lot different to the commanders we see success with, who are commanders who are just good without having to be built around. Um, do you have any extra words to add that uh, add to that, Clarence? I uh, know. I think he's uh, you guys did a pretty good covering it. Also, to be fair, I'm actually slightly still distracted trying to fix my camera, so I'm listening but uh, not able that's to fine. add the most insight. If you just crop in whenever you want to crop in at the moment, that's absolutely fine. Don't okay. worry. So we'll move on and we'll look at the attachment. Now, this attachment for zero, if you think of it like an attachment for zero, is pretty fucking good. <laughs> um. I would actually go yeah, as far I mean, as saying, right? Say, like, as a commander goes, like, if this was the commander option and you didn't have to buy Oren for five, then I'd be like, whoa, that's a great commander. Yes. But, yeah, you know, like, I think full package, you, he bring, he's bringing a lot. You can basically treat... Uh, this as a one-point attachment with a four-point NCU that comes with it, right? And that's com the commander package just makes it cost five instead of zero and four. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because this is definitely a one-point attachment worth of, of abilities plus, even. Um, Furious yeah, Charge... Don't forget, most commanders already bring like two points worth of value, right? Like yeah. at least the one, two borderline. So you're saying, is he worth one point more than even the best other commanders who bring, you know, let's say, hardened to the last, bring, you know, like, distract and counter-strike, things like that, right? Like, this is great. This is possibly... It, it's, in the, it's, it, it's in a handful of the best commander attachments in the game, right? Like, yeah. whether or not you say it's flat out the best or not, I think the coordinated assault First time we've ever seen that on an attachment, right? It's never, yes. you know, like this. This is this is brand new. Being able to add three additional hits to any given infantry unit that already has an aggressive output profile is going to be very, very powerful. Add in the furious charge means that this is going to do real, real damage on 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 the charge. Now you would say that he was in line with being a relatively good commander. If you just had those two abilities, duty for the crown is our little cherry on the top. Not an incredibly synergistic kind of ability at that point, but you know we're happy to take anything we can get. Considering the five point NCU felt like a bit of a tax to get us here, but overall I am interested in the package, and I think, and I think I think that you know because he's so powerful. Or what he could be in, say, a seven-point unit. Maybe you're talking about Stormcrow Dervishes. Maybe you're talking about um, Royal Guard. Maybe, you know, any any given aggressive unit that we might want to put together. You might even start to consider using the Pivot and March replace effect. But that's because you've already invested so much in the unit, not because I think Doran's effect is great. But as soon as you start threatening to put this into people's flanks then we're really talking about units that are threatening everything in the game yeah 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 definitely i know i know that uh he kind of has uh what's the word waste and ability in bastard girls but i think in bastard girls would be pretty scary as well mm -hmm. yeah yeah something something like anything that anything we can double down on like damage and the extra hits i mean you can 
you could, if you really wanted to, equate uh, Aereo here very similarly to, although not the same, of course, but very similarly to something like Gregor, a commander attachment for the plus two wounds. By the time you're doing three extra hits for, for full health with the vulnerable token, against most targets, you know, four or even three armor, that will equate to roughly two wounds, roughly speaking, uh, on top of what you're normally doing. Um, now, of course, it doesn't quite synergize into kind of like the, the giant style lists with low wound, but hit kind of like uh, effects. And then things like very high armor, to some extent, your three pluses and also then your... Um, uh your what do we call them uh two plus champions of the stag um then <laughs> those kinds of things are not going to get those two wound kind of like equation but then yeah as you say duty the crown on top as a little like t extra easter egg if you will uh is almost perfect um right then tactics cards we have got the three we've got uh false agenda which we have seen in Tyrion. Uh, but Tyrion is false agenda with letters. This is false agenda with crowns. It's the same card. I'm not going to spend a long time discussing what that does. We'll discuss what it means for the commander when we get to the end of all three. We've got Parlay. If you don't know what Parlay does, that's because you've never seen Davos Commander. If you've never seen Davos Commander before, that's because people don't play him. <laughs> Uh, but it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it is the same version as Davos Commander, uh, except that obviously Doran is not the commander, so it lists, and I'm very glad that they did this, if this target area Hotas unit, it restores the two wounds. So it is the same card with the same kind of kicker effect if it targets your commander. Awesome. And then we have a new card, something we've not seen before in Ripe to Act. Uh, when a friendly NCU claims a crowns, Replace that zone's effect with every enemy combat becomes vulnerable. Just a flat Actually out. Says each, but you know. Yeah, but every basically, you know, every enemy combat unit on the field just there's a load of vulnerable tokens. Uh, turns out that Martels really like the color yellow. Um, that's their uh, their theme with this card. Uh, yeah, it is a, it is interesting that vulnerable seems to be their token of choice, whereas like. I wasn't so sure that it would be. I, I, I mean, it wasn't going to be Panic. No. But it does feel like it's that somewhere between Vulnerable and Weakened. But maybe it's both. Maybe, you know, like Weakened, they do have, they have an abundance of threat in other places. But yeah, Vulnerable seems to be their token of choice, their token token of specialty. And I, I think that this can be this can be a pretty good card up there. Maybe, I'm unsure. Probably not actually as good as Stannis's uh, is Will of the Will of the One Tree King. King. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which of course replaces the crown specifically with one of each three tokens, which you can place anywhere, which way you want, including all on one unit or spread out. Um, I think the in most lists we're talking about this being four vulnerables, maybe five. If you have a single vulnerable out there already, then of course it's not going to count. Are we are we significantly better than one of each token, three tokens? Maybe it is. Maybe when we play into that six combat unit, seven combat unit um, free folk spam, then this is really going to going to come up good. 
you're gonna think, my God, I've just I've just put out seven tokens for one uh, for one NCU activation. But that this is possibly his most unique. Well, it is his most unique. It that this is his most significant commander card isn't selling him to me, right? Like when we talk about Stannis and Will of the One True King, it's just like an okay card you you're really happy if you pick it up on first turn you might play it second third time if like you know rounds is kicking around for free you might play it all it, it it maybe leans into the idea that like we're, we're gonna play like a really uh, like avoidance game we're gonna play a survival game but the problem with that is, is that that card would be best combined when using Doran NCU. Doran NCU non-commander version, of course, which we now have to specify. But Water Gardens, or as many VPs, once you've taken all the rounds, kind of NCU. You might really love to have Parlay on a commander in that kind of list, where you're just trying to survive the game. And uh, what even was our third? The false um, agenda, which, which does guarantee... Like, it's another condition, yeah. and it does guarantee the option to put out right to act, but it's not... Again, again, false agenda, you'd love to be able to combine that with his four-point combat, his four-point NCU version, and say, oh, you just jumped onto what the second of the two zones that I want to be able to take, so I'm going to move you off it, and hey, look, I can definitely take it. As is not too dissimilar or too too uh too uncommon for the way simon seemed to design multiple versions of a character the best person that doran commander would synergize with is doran non-commander and that seems quite unfortunate because right now i feel i mean clarence you can maybe talk about the list that you put together how you felt they played and stuff like that I think that one of their two key strategies right now is Doran NCU, and I'm not sure that I would pick Doran Commander as my other significant list to pair with it. So, you know what? I was thinking about it. I think many people were wowed by 4-point Doran NCU and um, thought he was kind of broken, and I think he's kind of like Melisandre in a lot of ways. He's kind of like win big or does terrible because unfortunately he's got a very hard counter uh, in the form of Peter Baelish. And Baelish is so popular these days that um, I really think that in most competitive matchups, you relying on Dorn scoring you six points, it's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. I know that some players may not be aware of how Peter Baelish, uh, you know, um, messes up uh, Dorn, Prince of Martell, but essentially he takes one of the zones that he needs and then he as the water garden, the water garden forces your opponent to then create a combat unit. So then passes back to you, and you activate your second NCU, take the second zone that Dorn needs. So um, it's quite possible he won't even accumulate four tokens over the course of six turns because every turn that you go first, you can put Peter in one zone and take both uh, subsequently. We will, we will really talk about the interaction of that later on when we dive into him fully. Because uh, I think we're going to have a long conversation about him somehow. Um, I do yeah. agree. I do agree that... Um, so I do think that Doran isn't like, oh my god, this is an instant win button. Uh, and 
like Doran should be the entirety of the Martell strategy. Um, but I think that he personally, I think that he should definitely be one in one of your two lists because there are certain lists that he will just beat. And there are certain lists that will not have any of the tools to shut him down. And then if you also have the ability to play the long game, if you have the ability to deny your opponent's damage, to stop yourself being tabled, and to make it into round five and six, then personally, this is because, you know, this is the way I think about and see the game. I think that he is at that point putting a huge amount of pressure onto your opponent to really do something and like make big plays as early as possible and to really influence the game and get you onto the back foot. And he achieves all of that while just being a four-point NCU. So for that reason, I don't actually think that the Martel's only strategy and only route to victory is through Doran NCU, but I think that he can really start to put your opponent on the back foot from word go while only costing four points. And, and if you can do that, then why not? I, I consider enlist building, you know, like awful NCU, what does he actually achieve at five points? Maybe it's not loads, but if it can put your opponent in the mindset that like, if I just don't advance, I'm going to die, then that can be very, very powerful. Same thing with Melisandre, the actual value, as you mentioned, like she can win big or she can lose big. But Doran, he's a four-point NCU investment. You didn't even invest one point more than you were going to buy an NCU for anyway. So I think that for that reason, I would never be building, right now at least, a, a, a Martel two-list pairing that doesn't include him in one of them. And because of that, I think that it's very important to discuss, does his commander version make it into our other list because that's the only place that he can be because for me doran is going in one of my lists flat out 100 percent. yeah and i i we haven't looked at the other commanders right we'll we'll look at the other commanders um we already know like we don't even have to look at him we already know people are going to want to play a lot of viper commander oberin martel is going to be a commander in a hell of a lot of lists uh we'll get on to why that might be but of course because people like the character uh, the rules, of course, we'll we'll wait for. Um, I don't know if Doran is a good enough commander with his card set. I think his his effect, effectively his attachment is very good. His ability to manipulate and move his attachment is very good. That is it. Um, and I don't know if that's enough. Um, and we'll see, you know, with the other commander sets available, I think there's a steer... For me, there is a clear standout best commander in Martel's already. Um, and I think it's really obvious. I, I think is it's just very strong. Very strong set. Uh, and it's no surprise that if you're on the stats discord, uh, certainly if you're a patron, all of the list building uh, suggestions have been with that commander. All of them. So uh, it is really interesting. Mm. Bruce, <laughs> yes, Bruce. Vargo. Vargo. <laughs> Dario, it's all about Dario. Uh, right, okay. Uh, we'll move on. We'll move on. And we'll finally get into probably the most popular character that hasn't been in the game for so long Oberyn Martell, the Viper, Prince of Dawn. Um, 
I mean, at this point, we, John, right? Uh, John, uh, Jamie, Gregor, uh, Rob, um, who else? Tywin had quite a high play rate. The, all of these people I'm naming, not because they're good or bad, they just had high play rates. Because people. Stannis Renly. Stannis Renly, of course. Because people just fucking love them. <laughs> um, I don't know if he'll blow all of them out of the water, but I am almost guaranteed to tell you that Oberyn Martell will almost certainly be the most played Martell commander in the first month. Almost guarantee it. Um, and why not? Why not? And we will look at why. Uh, he comes with. Uh, an ability called Manticore Venom, which is something that happens after he completes a melee attack. He attaches a poison card. We'll have a look at that in a second. Um, and then he also comes with the Viper's Fangs, which is very similar to um, what Bloody Mama Skirmishers and Cutthroats have, in that when you're attacking an unactivated unit, they become vulnerable and weakened. Don't get the rerolls like they do, be it vulnerable and weakened, which is like the double whammy. Um, that's very strong. Actually, I'd straight up say Viper's Fangs. I think is a good ability. Um, I think that's very strong into certain styles of gameplay that I don't particularly like. But surprising of Doran NCU actually incentivizes this types of gameplay. So I think that's going to be very interesting. But the Manticore Venom, in case anybody doesn't know, uh, you attach the card after the melee attack there's a one-off card the card goes on the unit and it that unit for the rest of the game flat out cannot heal any more wounds Super also mm -hmm. each time it, es it activates it becomes vulnerable and i think every if it's time vulnerable it takes a wound yes i'm not even going sure I may have just said that wrong. I do actually have it up and available. Um, I actually think it's better than that, right? I'm fairly sure. Are you it, saying it's action? It's action. Or are you saying? Yeah. So let's uh, load it up. There we go. My second uh, little image activates. there. It activates. Cool. I'm not going insane. So there we go. Yeah. Um, so though it's every time they would become vulnerable, they take a wound. So yeah. you know, even just basically, betters can now become like, hey, take a wound. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, one of my three games yesterday was with um, Oberyn Martell. Actually, two of my games. And uh, in one game, one of my games is what happened. I was playing against a Lancer player and. Um, he kind of like re redirected his Lannister Casterly Knights towards Oberyn. And then um, he played issue commands with uh, Tywin Commander and got a charge in. And he uh, didn't roll so great. Only got seven hits, so I didn't get crushed. And um, Oberyn's unit was in dervishes, so he was able to bounce out. He charges back in and applies the Manticore Venom. Gets a couple of wounds of precision as well. I had Aerial Hota attachment. So this particular build was going all in on this Manticore Force. And, you know, it, <laughs> that's, we'll discuss that later. Going all in may have been maybe excessive. Anyway, Arihota attachment for two points can also throw on Vol. the end of the round, these knights are now poisoned. They've lost a few wounds. They've got a vulnerable token. 
Um, and I think Ariel managed to flank charge him. He was in Spearman. Their three and shift got into the flank, be able to get a counter charge in. Next round, I'm going first. And um, I've got Bastard Girls also who had swung around and come back to help out. So Death Star, fully operational. I throw Ilaria's Sand onto the swords. She targets one of my units. I throw a Vulnerable Token onto the knights. They eat another wound. Um, start a turn, actually. Arihorta does his order again. Throws another Vulnerable Token on. They take another wound. Uh, Bastard Girls take a shot, add a Vulnerable Token, take another wound, into the flank, deal a bunch of damage, and I use that Vulnerable Token to finish off the unit as well. And it was, it was pretty bananas. It applied pretty much three wounds instantaneously um, in one action. I will straight up say that as a mechanic for token generation style lists, this is good design. Um, mm -hmm. there was, uh, in case people don't know, all the way back when we talk about 2021 leaks, there was this time where Axel Florin NCU did something very similar with tokens, but he spent the token to do wounds every time they did an action. And it, the problem was it wasn't one wound either. It was like ranks based wounds. And it, well, it, wasn't it two wounds? Couldn't he instantly kill, um, solos? No, like, it, that, uh, it was ranked. It was two. They then change it to ranks, and okay. it used to just shred infantry because you'd yeah you know, bastard girls where you just drop two tokens on them with like a stannis build and then you go shoot all right well take three wounds charge right take another three wounds right you're half dead, <laughs> um and yeah that I won't go into that because that was a long time ago it doesn't exist anymore and that was too much, um this is the right amount i think it's one wound it per turn on the money right yeah that it is that is once per game is very significant you know like we'd be talking about this is just broken as fuck if 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 it was every time over an attack like he just put this on everybody that's it and now i just have to survive and you're just gonna die so that it happens one time it is significant that they can't heal is the most significant part yeah and that tokens generating extra wounds rather than it just being so it's not just every time you activate you're going to take a wound it's every time you're going to take a vulnerable you take a wound so that means that if you have ways to remove your vulnerables then you're going to keep yourself alive i have ways and, and want and desire to throw more and more and more vulnerables at you then i can accelerate the process and i do think that that interactivity between us that you and defend against it and that i can uh, like really double down on it is actually more important than just like take a take one every time you activate um but the cannot restore wounds is so so significant particularly right now i think that the meta is very heavily in a take and restore kind of mindset it's in a deal damage take damage and then really throw in big healing lots of lots of taiko still incredibly popular use of uh, replacement effects to heal wounds all those kind of things and you know i i i heard i heard a lot of grumblings and miss and unhappiness us nationals about champions of the stag in particular and people's inability to kill that unit and manticore venom 
um, is really, really going to put units like that in their place. It is. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I like it. I, I simply like this ability um, for the fact that it is a... It simply is an ability that is impactful without what I personally think is too strong. I think it has exactly the right level of impact on the game. And um, what, else, what else I really like about this as well uh, is it really punishes the I have a single big unit build that people sometimes like to do. Um, and they rely on this one piece that's almost unkillable, that's just going to drive home and just smash everything apart. It's like, well, I'll just venom it and then kill it over time and it's dead. You can't do anything. You're not going to stop it dying. It might kill a lot of shit in the process, but it's going to die. Um, and yeah. Yeah, this Commander Oberyn almost feels like another version of um, Expert Duelist. Like, you just don't want to touch this commander. Yeah. But But the thing is, and this is another thing, right? Um, I'll use poor fellows, but raiders, um, greyjoys to some extent, uh, like unit trappers or something. Like, you can kind of feed a four-point unit to Oberon and be like, "I'm using it as a speed bump. You might make it so I can't heal the unit." And yeah, sure, you'll eventually win that combat then. But is that really the target that you want to be using that ability on? And mm -hmm. it puts the onus on the Martel player to then go, "Okay." how can I use my ability to its best effect rather than just, well, I'll zap that thing over there or this thing will die or whatever. You, you actually have to proactively say, okay, I, I want to do this. How am I going to set up about doing that? Um, True, but, but Martels are one of already in their limited roster. They're already one of the most maneuverable factions that yeah. we've seen. Their yes. ability to manipulate who he ends up in combat with is going to be significant mm -hmm. but um, i think that, i think that's in, good in implementing this in the right place i think i think that's a positive thing not a not a bad thing i think it's it something that i brought up a couple of times on the main discord and to different people like it's a rank and flank game and something that me and carlo never really talk about because you can't show it here and, and talk about it really um in easy terms is that movement is by far the most important thing in the game like dice rolling and things matters sure but like movement is so fundamentally important and using a, a faction that entices you to be good at movement is a faction that will teach you to be good at the game like it's why personally if you look at a lot of top players yes we could argue yes they're playing free folk and free folk are op right but a lot of good free folk players have always been near the top of the standings not because necessarily free folk are op but because free folk are a movement-based faction starks in 1.6 were a movement-based faction uh we're seeing it now night's watch are a movement-based faction isn't it weird that all these factions that are movement-based also end up being pretty fucking good um baratheons who for a long time were not movement-based at all sucked <laughs> um uh it it 
yeah, if for me, it's... Stand, stand still, gun line off, will uh, takes... Uh, I mean... Take, has issues has issues with your statement there, Mickey. It, it, does, it does a little <laughs> bit. But it, movement still mattered. The question, <laughs> the question was, where do I two-inch shift next? <laughs> um, so, anyway, yeah. Um, Heading back to Oberon, yeah. um, I, I skipped over it, but I, I really like Viper's Fangs, uh, yeah. both, both in terms of its effect and its ability but i'm actually really really pro the the use of this if your opponent has an activated based ability it's a powerful influential effect if your opponent hasn't gone yet and i think that the more things that they can shoehorn in that have that effect the less Activation reliant the game is going to be that there's no longer such a definitive definite advantage to outweighting your opponent and then reacting in response is based around somebody having some kind of innate bonus based on being the first to do something right being the initiator the problem this game has with activations is that there is very little advantage to being the initiator particularly since they meant they made it that losing charge rerolls is so common now, so much terrain gets rid of it, that charging even has very little value. Mm-hmm. So overall, I think that I really like Oberon as an attachment. That set of packages is 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 very, very faction-defining, game-defining, character-defining, and I like all of those things. Now, there are questions that people are asking um around barry block and this ability um it's a once it's not an order so it doesn't self-target the once per game ability which as far as we're under the impression do not self-target um it doesn't specify in Menticore or venom that you do target and it is attached to the melee attack it is a passive ability that is always on so this is the thing manticore venom is always on it's just that there is a choice indicated as to when or if you use it i should say if you apply it you always use manticore venom but the choice to apply it is a free one so Basically, what I'm trying to say is that anyone who thinks this is a target ability that Barry would block or is something that Roos could block, I don't believe it is. Yeah, my, my gut my gut says no block. No block. Um, rip! <laughs> what about uh, if Jack and Hagar uh, clones Oberyn? Does he get more Antwerp then? So, interesting you should say this. No. Um, he doesn't get more, but if we go off the basis of orders kind of being used, um, if he hadn't used it, there is remit to say that Jacken could then use it. Yeah. But over would J- be Jacken, Jacken roughly, roughly takes the attachment in the exact current state that it was in. Uh, um, is 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 the main belief. If you've used an order for the round, then the round's already then it's already been used. If you died last round and you haven't used it, or you just haven't used it this round before it got used, 
then Jacken now has it. If you had a once per game ability and you'd used it, you've used it. If you had a once per game ability and you haven't used it, then have it back. Or steal it off your opponent. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there's none of this doubling down on Manticore Venom. Run run Oberyn in, get himself killed, and go, oh no, I've lost Oberyn. But look, he was here all along! <laughs> More Manticore Venom. Fuck you, double cots builds. Right, um, <laughs> right, should we have a look at his cards? Because we've talked all about him and haven't even looked at his fucking cards yet. Um, so, he has the super interesting Intercept Orders. Uh, again, a Tyrion card. Um, I do find it's a bit weird that they kind of went down the control route. Tyrion, obviously being the best Lannister commander that we kind of agree with stats and things, uh, has always been pretty good. And Martel's just kind of get his cards, uh, which pretty interesting. Uh, so intercept orders on the crown rather than Tyrion's versions of letters. Um, we have unexpected exhaustion. Again, synergizes with Viper's Fangs, which in turn synergizes with Manticore Venom. Uh, when a vulnerable enemy activates, you attach this card to them until the vulnerable token is removed. And while that is attached, they suffer minus one to hit on their attacks. And if Oberyn attacks them, it becomes weakened. I'll be super honest with you. I don't think this card is that good um it's okay minus one to hit is okay my main thing is like the second half where each time that oberyn attacks it becomes weakened well oberyn gives them a weakened if they're not activated anyway from viper's fangs so what you're saying is it's like that second part of my ability i kind of just get on a card anyway so I think, it's the, I think it's when they attack Oberyn. Oh, it is. You're right. It yeah. is when they attack Oberyn. Sorry, I apologize. We're rolling, guys. Yeah. Which is when you want Weaken to come into play. It is, yeah. Yeah, I think no, that's better. Um, you know, it's pretty similar to uh, Tywin's card, where when a unit's weakened, he now gives them minus two morale. Yeah. Until the point where the Weaken gets removed situationally if it comes up if it comes up you can play the card right and it does put some pressure on them to then go ahead and remove that vulnerable but it also means that you feel that you can't utilize the vulnerable a lot of the time now okay that's quite synergistic with our poison our venom uh in that we don't want to take that vulnerable off anyway because that's just going to be a wound at some point but overall it's it is pretty mediocre. I'm not, you know, it, it's it's a play it and forget kind of card. Uh, I wouldn't build any major strategies around it. You might catch somebody out. You might catch somebody out. You've vulnerabled them. They're about to activate. You know they're going to charge you. You just play it on them. Bang. Minus one to hit and weakened. Can really dent a powerful charge at the right time. Um, but I wouldn't play around this card. It's just like could happen. The thing is, without Counter Strike, like. This isn't a damage card. Like you're playing this in some kind of like Stark build with the kind of Howland Counter Strike thing that they have going. Um, yeah, all of a sudden this card becomes like, oh, that's pretty fucking good because <laughs> uh, at least the synergies um, at the moment. Obviously, we'll get through and we'll look at all the Martel stuff today. Jesus Christ, uh, we'll see if any synergies really pop out. I, I don't, I, I don't think there are any. Um, 
I was going to point out too that oh, I, oh, sorry, I was going to say that for that last card, I also don't think it um, synergizes with the Venom either because the Venom makes you vulnerable when you activate, and that card only works if you're already vulnerable when you activate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. So if you're not vulnerable, you activate, you get Manticore Venom, you don't. You can't then play Unexpected Exhaustion on that because the trigger is effectively gone because uh, you weren't vulnerable when you activated. Um, yeah. It, Again, in that build, presumably you've got 10 ways to vulnerable them, so they're probably vulnerable anyway, but on there, its own, yeah. There is also the second problem, which we don't talk about necessarily directly, but um, when someone leans hard into something, like we're seeing here, like hard into this vulnerable token style gameplay, you have to you run the risk of if someone has good token removal or token control, all of a sudden, unless you're putting more tokens on them than they can possibly deal with, the chances are most of your effects do very little because they're controlling the amount they put on. Um, mm-hmm. Which is effectively what yeah. Lannisters see all the time with their panic shenanigans. Ah, you'll have all these panic fails, but it's like, right, but I, I've protected myself with good morale. So you're leaning into it, and you lean into it quite heavily, but it doesn't fucking matter because I'm just better than what you can lean into. Um, right. So basically, barrow-based base deck kind of says, not interested in that. But luckily, the Manticore Venom seems like barrows are probably your best target. Uh, so, you know, there are there are swings and roundabouts on that side of things. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I was... I was on the wrong side of Barra token uh, control quite a few times last weekend, um, and uh, and I really don't think that Martels are going to get the upper hand in that fight. And if you're building a list around a token, the rate at which Barras can both give them out and take them off themselves uh, is uh, is obscene. Yeah, Heather Heather in chat there says uh, Lannisters have no active token removal. Yep. Uh... Lannisters are pretty sad. <laughs> um, Red cloaks but, on five know. plus. <laughs> yeah, I think Lann- interestingly, like overall, Lannisters is going to be a great matchup for Martells. Lannisters, um, generally speaking, are quite reliant on zone control. Uh, I don't, I haven't quite fully thought through the interaction between. Um, uh, Joffrey and Water Gardens, but I think Water Gardens trumps him, saying that you control no zones. Yep. And if that's true, then Lannisters really don't look like they're going to have a nice time into uh, into Martells at all. We'll get onto that later on, probably. Uh, the Viper's last card is Viper's Infamy, um, which is when a combat unit activates, which uh, is immediately, if anyone isn't aware of what we've just been talking about is an immediate problem because we now have two of exactly the same trigger basically uh on combat and activation this one not limited to vulnerable so immediately this is a better card and actually if you look at it that enemy suffers minus two movement when charging over and over in martel's unit this turn and if it fails a charge it becomes vulnerable like that's not a bad card like that is that is a fine card to stop somebody kind of closing the distance on on oberon first um you see it a lot with traps nowadays like giving someone minus one move at an inconvenient time is really fucking annoying um so yeah there's that uh, it also has the start of any turn ability which carlo fucking loves where you just draw 
a tactics card, you cycle it. Or, and now this is the big one, I do think this is important. If Oberyn Martell's unit's engaged, you can search your deck for a different commander card and add your hand. Um, or discard pile, I should say, not just deck. Uh, specifically, you might be looking for unexpected exhaustion or intercept orders. I don't know. You'd probably be looking for intercept orders. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because he doesn't have a killer card, right? No. Like, it feels it feels a little bit like, but I already have the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, except that, like, this one only works on the charge. Uh, I mean, I believe the, the other one, if we go back, the other one was just when they activate, no no, no requirement no. on anything else, like, no. just if they're about to attack, um, if they're about to attack Oberon, then they'll become weakened, so that can be powerful. Um, it, it could be, it could be okay. Overall, I think that the three cards are pretty mediocre they're they're a little bit Oberon focused so and it feels like they want you to play Oberon in quite an evasive style uh, and and that is good for like the way um you know his 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 background what we should be thinking of Oberon rather than just you know like if you, if we compare him to Gregor for example you know he shouldn't be an assault orders charge in the face kind of like guy two plus wounds you know his use of manticore venom which is probably better than two wounds on every attack and like having evasive cards and charge denial cards rather than things like assault orders i do all agree with but overall he's not blowing me away He's going to see play because he has an interesting strategy, not because he's just straight up super powerful. Yeah. Uh, Arrakis, your additions? No, I agree. His, uh, his, his commander you know, abilities are, are fun. His cards are uh, nothing uh, mind-blowing, I would say. Um, I will say that Intercept Orders is, is very annoying. Uh, <laughs> that is, that is um, I think, his most useful card. When I play against Tyrion... I hate asking for permission, you know, and I hate uh, I hate uh, the control aspect. So it's it's funny when you know they want to attack you and say, well, you know, flip it to somebody else with a three plus roll. That card I think is his his most card. Cool, awesome. Right then, we've finished with this man because he's had so much to talk about. So we're going to breeze through the next one, right? A really easy one next. Uh, it's Harmon Ulla. Um, if anyone doesn't know. I think that this is probably the commander, believe it or not, that there's the most to talk about. Um, he comes with, uh, on his, uh, probably the most simple command card you've ever seen, Supply Aid and Iron Resolve. Two of the most simple abilities that you can possibly have. Um, Healy defensive, so right, you're thinking Healy defensive, is he going to come with anything strong? And if you were eagle-eyed or you were reading there, he comes with battle endurance. Um, and as soon as I see something that heals a unit and that keeps a, improves its morale and lowers its panic damage, I think, fuck me, this is a commander you want to put in the back lines, play a long game with, and sustain, and oh look, you have a unit that literally provides sustain now from your commander, um... And you just want to feed something really fucking tanky in the front line with this on it. 
and you just fucking start massacring people. Um, I don't even need to see the rest of his cards to think that immediately Harman Allah is interesting to build lists with. Um, and then we look at the other two cards. He has set for charge. <laughs> That's a pretty good card. Uh, better than the attachment version. Um, and Spiteful Tap Truce, which, by the way, is fucking incredible. So. That's actually set for charge. <laughs> yeah. I mean. I. I it, if anyone doesn't know how good Harmonella is, when you look at those three cards and go, well, Set for Charge is a good card. And then you go, Battle Endurance is like a premium card that you want from, I mean, Elden, right? It's a premium card from mm -hmm. his package. Set for Charge is like the best card that Brynden brings. Um, Brynden's not amazing, uh, but whatever. And Spiteful Truce for a heal two plus whatever is good, especially on the condition of passing a morale test for your opponents and it being in long range. Like, someone war cries you and you go, cheers for the four wounds, mate. <laughs> like, that's true. That's insane. <laughs> I, war cry I war cried a unit on like one rank or like two ranks to try and finish it off and then I restored it back to three ranks and he's got set for charge in hand. Ah. Uh, that wasn't very clever. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mentioned it. It's it's he's he's just a like a really strong pick. And the other thing that he brings, you know, is he adds offense. Um, yeah. The 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 door the Martel deck, not the door deck. Martel deck, unfortunately, is like a Lannister deck. Literally adds no offense power on its own. So you're looking for that offense power your commanders. And he has this card plus more um, versatility, I'd say. So yeah, he's extremely powerful on paper. Yeah, on paper. Generally speaking, a commander in 90% of cases, right, brings five things. They bring attachment ability one, attachment ability two, card one, card two, card three. And you're looking for a commander in top tier cases, he brings four out of five, which you're like, yes. Pretty decent if you hit three of them. You know, you got one good ability, two good cards. You, you're probably like, yeah, I, I, you know, this is pretty good. He 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 hits five out of five. Now, I'm not saying, like, I wouldn't swap any of those five things for one different thing. If I could, like, pick and choose, cherry pick the five things that I'm allowed, I wouldn't end up with these five. They are all good. All five of them. Pied, absolutely brilliant. I'm Resolve, I have nothing but respect for these days, and particularly in the current way that the game is playing out. Battle Endurance, I like too much and keep losing with, but you know, I still <laughs> I still I still really like that card. And Set for Charge, I think really plays into a lot of the things that Martels can do, and it's just an interesting card too. And then that last one, like you say, for Three, four wounds, shall we say, on demand at a time when your opponent doesn't expect it. The combination with set for charge, for example, that like you charge me, I make an attack, and then you pass your morale test and you just healed me. So that charge, which you thought was going to wipe me out, just isn't anymore. All these things really lead to him being brilliant. The standout obvious choice right now for me. 
Yeah. And it's on this weird, no-name, random character from the books who I'm sure no one knew before this. <laughs> I am 99% sure Clarence has just really, really, really annoyed Marwin. Uh, so... <laughs> Marwin is going to probably now produce a small book on Harmonola, uh, his exploits, his history, his family lineage, um, and all the various different things that go on there. So uh, I, I hope he sends that to you in the mail, Clarence, to give you some nighttime reading. <laughs> his other version is called uh, Envoy, Envoy of something, right? Uh, I know because I have to like read them and type them in. Uh, so I'd a guess, because I was like, who's this guy? And particularly when I'm like, who's this guy? I have to like really, really check that I've spelt their names right and stuff like that, right? Because I'm just like, who the hell? I, I took a wild guess and I thought maybe he turns up at the same time as the Viper does. Maybe he's been in King's Landing all the time. Whatever. He seems like an absolute nobody. I had no clue who he was, though, as we all know, I'm no, uh, I'm no reader. Uh, so, you know, I'm just, I'm, just, uh, I'm just a casual show watcher. He, uh, so he yeah, is... I, I, I think I think most of the chat are with us though. Uh, who the hell is this guy? Who the hell is Shara Errol? <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. He he's actually the father. Uh, he's Oberyn's father-in-law via, if you can think of it like that, through Illyria. Um, he is the grandfather of uh, Elia, Obella, Doria, and Lorenzo the Sand Snakes. Um, okay. So uh, yeah, he. Cool. He is important, and he's the Dornish envoy, I believe, in um, in the Red Keep at one point, uh, I think. So yeah, um, yeah, that's all all I really know. And he's good. He's really good. <laughs> yeah. And of course, yeah. as Mickey mentioned, he's got all these great synergies with. Um... Doran four point NCU. You're playing the long game. Natural fit to have that Doran. Too. yes like if you're running so when we talked about like the list pair um where carlo mentioned like you're probably going to run a door and four point ncu list pair i think harmonala of the four commander choices you've got in the base martels let's not consider neutrals um i think harmon is probably one of the better choices you have for that uh the dawn four four point prince list um I think I think the synergy the synergy is natural. Yep. The synergy with the whole unique playstyle that Martel seem to be bringing right now, like it does. Like I say, it does seem a bit heavily invested on like the water gardens and what Doran can bring. Uh, but you know, like we're bringing. Let's begin with the assumption that we're bringing three NCUs because why not? <laughs> uh, outside of bringing neutrals. Um, we're basically bringing two or four of our own in-house NCUs, right? We only have four of them. Um, so we've got like a 50-50 chance that we're going to be bringing Doran anyway, basically. You think about it that way. So him being quite faction-defining isn't wildly um, isn't wildly unusual. No. That's like saying that Wendemir is pretty faction-defining for the way we think about Greyjoys right now and stuff like that. So wow. I still think that us leaning into that in at least one of our lists is very very useful and i think that anything that we can play for rounds four five and six are going to be very very powerful for martels and i like that as an idea i like that it kind of leans into the idea that the martels just haven't been involved for forever they're gonna 
any given battle is going to be about turning up big at the end and just whittling them down to begin with. So, yeah, I really love this guy. Uh, I think that he's uh, he, he'd be my first go-to. This with Doran, putting pressure on your opponent to think, God, I might have to table my opponent because he's going to be really, really strong come rounds five and six, and I might be too, I might not be far enough ahead. Like being a little bit of a little bit ahead against this list is never going to be enough. You need to be way ahead come round three, come round four. There's also something very important with Harmonella. Uh, one of the things we talk about with set for charge uh, being what it is. Uh, people say, oh, you can charge unit without set for charge. And therefore, you don't have to play around it. Well, of course, you can't do that. Um, there are other things which we'll look at when we fully analyze the units. But in case you don't know, the base five-point unit for Martels comes with set for charge. Yes, you're doubling down on the ability. But actually, what you're saying is that you always don't want to be charging my five-point units. Now, you definitely don't want to be charging my six or seven or eight-point units as well. Because this card is only going to get used on them. I'm not going to use this on my trash. They get it for free. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's... Yeah. I think it's one of those things you're going to just have to accept playing into a Harmonella list. Doesn't matter what you ch charge, you're going to get hit. Just accept that. Play with that in mind. Um... Hey, don't forget, that's it for charge could be backed up by a battle endurance. Yeah. And then a spiteful tactics, yeah. and then you know. So uh, rerolls. So so you charge me, I attack you, I reroll. You know, like I'm basically now the charger. At this point, I'm getting attacks with rerolls, and that's from round three, which is when we see lots of our initial charges coming in, our first engagements, and you know, throw in all sorts of stuff on top of that. You could be adding sundering, crypto. By the end of the game, you might be left asking yourself whether or not you want to charge a unit, which is just going to turn around with a nine dice. Crit blow, sundering, rerolls, attack against you. You don't know do they have set for charge or not, and you might forego these opportunities. And that that that's the really important part. The not knowing whether or not your opponent will set for charge at any given moment can leave you uh, questioning a lot of things. I also like that you charge me. I set for charge. A spiteful tactics when you pass your morale test by a spiteful truce even. If you might pass your morale test, healing me, and you'll do some more damage, whatever. And then it gets to my turn, and I get to go right. So now I will supply aid that unit you just charged, and I'll attack you back. <laughs> um, <laughs> not only did you not kill me, but I've now killed you. <laughs> um, yeah, watch out for him. Um, and then we move on to Abara. Now, I will say um, that of the three commanders we've looked at so far, one of the strongest things I can say about those three commanders so far is that they have clear design direction, right? The synergies are there, and it's clear how the cards interplay with each other and how the, it works. Oberyn's about the only one where there's a little bit of anti-synergy, with same kind of like uh, triggers. Um, Abara is your aggressive commander, right? And she's fucking aggressive. She comes with reckless heroism. Hello, great John. She comes with fueled by slaughter as well. Okay, that's pretty good. 
and she just gives the unit she's in Sundering. Ravi, that's good. Um, mm-hmm. This is... Mm-hmm. Uh... I, I, like, I, like, I like that additional Sundering. Like, yeah. It, I think it's quite important. This is kind of very good free attachment in the game. Like, very good. Um, and then I get all sad because I see her cards. Uh, she comes with Desert Preparation. Sustained Assault! <laughs> sustained Assault! There it is. Oh, Sustained Assault. Let's just pretend this doesn't exist. Uh, she comes with Reckless Strikes, which is from Dario, uh, with the Cryptlow Precision miss, you take a wound. Um, Abara gets to roll highest dice when using it on her unit, which is kind of like what she's probably going to do. Um, and then Desert Preparation. So this is okay. It can be used as cycle, but whenever an enemy completes an action, if they're within long range of a bar, she can panic and weaken them. Um, which is okay. Like, two condition tokens. Yeah, it's, like, mediocre. Um, I think I think Desert Prep's a decent card. Like, yeah. uh, similar to... Kevin has this card, pretty much, right? Um, yeah. Except that I don't think it's within long range of anything. It's just when you complete... Uh, something. It's just right? whenever you, just you end up with an two tokens. Yeah, so this does seem to have extra steps that aren't necessary, but the start of turn ability to trade it out is, you know, a little bit little bit of a payback on the fact that you might not automatically be able to do it. But I do think that just giving out two tokens when your opponent does something is, is pretty good. Like, I do actually rate it as just a, any card that is play and forget is 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 more powerful than a situational card which could do more than that so um i do think that operation is 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 the better of her three cards but that's unfortunate when that's what we're saying yeah now reckless isn't bad i'll put this out like reckless is not a bad card it's just that everyone remembers reckless from the good times not the bad times. <laughs> um, yeah. It's... I don't know. I don't, what do you think, Ariakas? Um, yeah, it, it's it's just a swingy card. You know, it can get you a bunch of crits and precisions, or it can do nothing. So it's, it's casino, right? It's It can be awesome or terrible. Um, but it has the potential to be awesome, and that can make it useful. Yeah, exactly. The potential to be awesome could always be good. Uh, and then, as you said, we're not going to talk about Sustained Assault, because if we need to talk about Sustained Assault anymore, you've never seen us talk about anything with Sustained Assault before. TLDR, if you don't want to go and watch like several hours of us talking about Sustained Assault over the various hundred of episodes that we've done now, um, this is a bad card. Done. <laughs> For Reckless, though, that she has Fuel by Slaughter means that she has a little bit of self-synergy there, right? Like, the Fueled by Slaughter, synergistic with her heroic charge, is it called? Whatever. Reckless Heroism. Reckless Heroism, there we go. Um, Synergistic with that, we can auto six and then heal ourselves. Um, It's synergistic with Reckless Strikes. We can make an attack with our own unit only, really, and synergistically get those wounds back. Um, And so, overall, she's not... Terrible. She added a sixth thing into those uh, into those five things that you're hoping are good. Um, but realistically, I'm very very glad that she got 
Sundering as like an extra third bonus. Otherwise, I would be really saying that she's proper trash tier. Like the the third the third attachment ability is is keeping her afloat, and she's gonna have to go somewhere where that sundering and that auto six charge matter. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think she's gonna be very scary in Bastard Girls for sure. Sadness. Uh, my 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 problem here is that I think like she's obviously designed as the most aggressive commander, um, or like a, an attempt at being aggressive, but I don't really see what Abara offers that Ullah doesn't offer, or Oberyn doesn't offer. She has this weird halfway house between the two of the healing and the aggressiveness. And this idea that she can get in and do lots of damage and kind of control the game with long charges and wants to use fuel by slaughter to kind of like generate lots of healing from herself as she goes through. But she can't do any of that because, well, she doesn't have any extra actions. She does one thing per turn. That's it. Mm -hmm. which, 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 as Clarence says, like, is why bottom bastard girls become a little bit more interesting because we can charge off of those swords um basically anything within 14 inches of you can be auto charged you can shift to make a shot then you've got you do have six movement these days right on bbg yeah 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 then uh we're charging six plus an auto six um and we're getting, the added advantage of that, of course, is no uh, auto, no disorderly on top of that. And we're going to assume that we're going to do some wounds and we're going to fuel by slaughter to get some of them back. It does make a hyper-aggressive unit. You're going to have sundering on them too. Vicious automatically already. Um, overall, that feels like a place that she can go. But that is... You know, when, when we're talking about Bolton Bastard Girls being the best use for any given commander, we already know that we're sort of clutching at straws because anybody and everybody of value can be in Bolton Bastard Girls if we wanted them to. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Um, I mean, it's interesting, Eric, as you actually got the opportunity to play, right? You chose to run over it. Twice, you say, you know, mm -hmm. interestingly, uh, backing up the theory that everyone wants to play Oberon. <laughs> and, and who was your other pick that you picked up and played? I used Herman, yeah. Uh -huh. Herman, um, yeah. So, I mean, just out of curiosity, of the four choices that you had, was Abara at the bottom of the four choices that you were intending to play? I'm trying to think who's the other... Oh, Doran's at the yeah. camp, right? Um... I think, you know, Herman just seemed the most powerful, and then Oberyn's the coolest. Uh, between Doran and Obara, I've actually been planning to try Obara just because I want to just let her loose on, mm -hmm. on the world, just charge things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I definitely, you know, I think, yeah, the, the, there's two obvious interesting picks. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but Obara will be next in the testing block for sure. Well, there you go. There you go. Hopefully you'll be able to tell us how that goes. Uh, yeah, overall... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, she's probably the weakest commander. Um, but really, uh, you know, we need to see how the value from Oberyn can be worked out, and we need to see how the value from 
uh, Doran Arrow kind of like works, uh, and I can see that not being as strong at the moment uh, until some more units mm-hmm. come out. Um, overall, not great, but uh, from my opinion, Harmonella most powerful. Oberyn most played. Don't even actually know if he's that good. <laughs> um, then Doran, and then I think Abara. Yeah, case at the number four spot. Um, I just don't like these aggressive commanders. I've said it before. Like I don't. I think they're too easy to yeah, pick up on. And, and as you say, like the thing is, is that Obara is supposed to be the aggressive one, but I like Arrow more in terms of damage output that he can do. Yeah. Um, and 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 I like. I like Viper more in terms of threat rather than like actual real wounds that he will do. He he will he will control where your opponent wants to be and what units he wants to engage with uh, in a damage based manner. And um, and Ulla just is just there saying, well, I just play a different style. I'm 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 really leaning into late game. And I think that that's important and useful at this for them to have two, two distinct styles already out of the box or at this stage is good. And I think that bones of these commanders and the bones of the faction looks good. The style of the faction, the synergies that these commanders are starting to have, the movement and aggression that they have in new and interesting ways are all really, really good. So overall, I'm, I'm liking what's come out. There are obvious tendencies at the moment towards those two. Yeah, I agree. Jump on Carl's comment there. Definitely the very first game I played with Herman and Spearman and the base deck. Uh, I couldn't help as much as I am a competitive player and I'm thinking about, you know, like how to win and all that kind of stuff. I definitely felt like right away, I was like, I knew that the history of, of Dorne is that they were unconquered by the Targaryens when they came in and they fled away into the sands, but they'd come back and they'd do these guerrilla tactics. And the army really felt like that. With all the tactical repositioning, with all the cards to make your opponents roll and lowest attack dice, with all the abilities to evade from getting attacked, it really felt um, like squirrely and shifty and with a catch. And it was really cool. It felt very distinct from, from the other factions. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. That is good to hear. So, that's the commander's segment done. We're only an hour and 18 minutes in. We've done four components. Five if you count the NCU. Um, right. Martel Tactics deck. Rising temperatures. So, when an enemy combat unit activates, attach until targeted by swords. While attached, that unit suffers different effects based on game, mo- uh, game rounds. So on round two onwards, they can't be targeted by friendly tactics cards. Three onwards, they suffer minus one to hit. And four onwards, they cannot restore wounds. Um, what do you think, Carlo, initially? Um, the ease of which this gets played, being enemy combat unit activates, um, means that you can get immediate effect out of it. So, particularly from three from three onwards for minus one to hit again we're back to this idea you activate you're about to charge and i'm just like hey by the way here's minus one minus one to hit that that then becomes a passive ongoing effect that you're gonna have to remove with swords i think is quite powerful powerful because swords is one of the least um it has no impact except 
when it allows you to make an attack, obviously, yeah. right? But the chances, if, if, if I'm going to play around it, the chances that I leave you and let you be in combat with me and take swords is relatively easy manip easily manipulated. If we compare it to a card like Bribery, right? Bribery um, has probably pretty similar, like, actual total effect. Targeting somebody with money bags is way easier than, than you know, or, like, way less wasteful than targeting somebody with swords because I can target somebody with money bags and heal them, take off tokens, do all these things, and remove the bribery. But bribery required an NCU replace, and this one was just on enemy combat unit activation. And I think that actually that makes it a pretty high-tier card, in my opinion. Yes, its impact is not wild in the initial moment, but that it has a lingering effect which can annoy your opponent in their NCU usage and where they target and wasting things. Combined with the ease with which it's played, I think basically says, very good card. There is something little about this, right? Which uh, I'll just take a, like a step back into the world of A Song of Ice and Fire, tactics decks that currently exist, and let's look at a card that Carlo knows very, very well, and uh, I'm sure everyone here will be like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Let's just briefly hide this one. Um, Subjugation of Power, which you do a morale test, and if you fail... You can't be the target of friendly tactics cards and you lose all abilities. Now, the lose all abilities bit, quite important. But that whole can't use friendly tactics cards is exactly what this gives without a condition. At a minimum. At a bare minimum. Bang. You can't be the target of friendly tactics cards. Because an attack, it can't restore wounds or it might be at full health anyway. Who gives a shit? All of that side aside, this is quite literally half of subjugation of power. For the rest of the game, caveat, for free. There's no check. There's no morale test. This is just better than Subjugation of Power. Straight up. And Subjugation of Power is not a good card. It's not mm -hmm. completely utter trash, right? <laughs> it's not good, um, but it's not complete utter trash. I think this is a very good card. What do you think, Ariakas? You're, you're giving me that little... <laughs> I was going to say, I think Subjugation is pr pretty much trash. <laughs> I think <laughs> that card gets chucked out. I think people sometimes actively look for that card with Cersei just to chuck it out and thin their deck. Oh, so, yeah, they do. I, think, I think the war is pretty low. But I do agree with you. This card is really good. Um, it's not exactly reverse Battle Endurance since you can remove it with uh, sword targeting. And, you know, targeting a unit that's presumably going to get in combat with the sword is actually quite high priority but um i think you bring up a very good point i knew, never even thought about it that way i always looked at the third uh turn th the round three bonus where it's minus one to hit but now you know it didn't occur to me that a lot of offensive units really want to um charge and um play key cards like uh you know any of the stark cards winter's might or the yeah, Frosty, yeah exactly winter's coming all those things which actually when we were talking about powerful defensive abilities and useful things like set for charge, 
right? Lots of people were like, oh, stocks, stocks, stocks are just going to, stocks are going to winter is coming you. And it's like, well, actually, you're not. Um, okay, corner case that I've got both cards and it's all, you know what I mean? But like, you're not going to guarantee that. And I think that this trigger is incredibly powerful. It's after you've already committed, you, like, you're committed to this charge at this point. You've activated this unit in charge range. And that's the point at which I say, oh, uh, no cards on this. Um, minus one to hit. And you know what? If we're in round three and this is the last thing you're going to do, uh, also, when we go into round four, you're not going to be able to heal um, until you've taken swords, which means that you can't open the round with a heal either. So now suddenly when I set for charge, heal wounds to you, they're impactful because you're not going to open the round easily. I think that it's... The more I think about it, the more I think that this card is very, very, very annoying. And that's what you want your deck to do. Be easy to play and annoy and frustrate your opponent's master plan. Yep. Yeah, it's a nice way to also counteract the natural squishiness of the Nutels in general. They don't have anything that's incredibly durable. Uh, so the fact that they reminds one to hit, that they can't play offense cards is pretty important. So, I agree. I think this is... Don't know if it's S-tier. Like, I'm, this is fucking bonkers kind of level. Um, I don't even necessarily know if it's like high A-tier, this defines it, but this is a good card. Like, you're not going to complain when you draw this card. Let's put it like that. Yeah. Um, right. Cunning Ploy. Up next. If you haven't seen Cunning Ploy before, we've talked about it loads with targeting. This is a better version of uh, Cunning Ploy because it kind of, get rid of it gets rid of the issue basically that we had with cunning ploy with the still this and that but it actually specifically you know this that they um it makes a lot more sense um with this particular version um and it's on swords rather than handing commander based obviously being the base deck uh i think cunning ploy is a fine card like absolutely fine people play Tyrion and like Tyrion because this is in the deck um euron brings this and it's considered one of euron's most useful cards um this is just good like yeah good card yeah very happy to have it in a base deck yeah um the reason i like this personally uh and i did think a little bit this with uh doran uh, with arrow you can doran pivot march with a pivot at the end setting up to then march you then activate some piece of shit, I don't know, someone over there, <laughs> uh, and then go, oh, right, and now I'll march arrow again in this direction I've set him up for. And by the way, because I control swords, because it's like, he's talking about like late game tactics board, perhaps, right, I'll just drop a vulnerable token on this unit over here when I do that. And then I pivot, and then I'm like, right, so um, I'm actually in your the target of my charges rear. Uh, get fucked. <laughs> I'm coming in with a coordinate assault charge on your rear. Um, I have a unit of cavalry now. Uh, so, it's... There is something there. I don't know if it's good enough. And it requires all kinds of weird, janky tactics board play. Which I do believe is possible because you're running Doran and you're running this kind of weird thing. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not 100% convinced. Um, we'll see. But as far as base, base cards go... It's it's great filler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fine card. June Tactics, which um, isn't quite the worst name 
named a uh, card in the deck. Rising temperatures isn't particularly good. Um, what kind of annoys me is this is almost a reverse sustained assault, right? Almost. Except it doesn't have the dumb trigger of needing to start engaged. Um, and because of that, like this is this is how stupid it is. Like a reverse sustained assault without those that's that one stipulation all of a sudden becomes very good <laughs> mm -hmm. um you know if you have more default destroyed ranks than the opponent they load the, they, they roll their lowest dice you're actively saying you're coming in your chart you're wanting to finish off a low health unit throw this down you're not probably finishing them off anymore yeah control crowns i even get vulnerable and panic which are the two best tokens i could want for a counter strike It's just a good card. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the beauty of it is, doesn't even require you to have more ranks for the low, the low, the lowest dice thing. Might not even be what you want. Maybe you just want fuck it. I'll just play this card to get vulnerable panic on you. Fuck it. That'll do me. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Anything that helps mitigate their squishiness is a good thing. And free tokens. You 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 play this on the first given opportunity you probably can, and you get the tokens out there. And it's another card that will get played, right? And that's all that matters. It will get played. People make melee attacks. <laughs> They're quite common in this game. Yeah. Um, People make melee attacks from a three rank unit against a three rank unit. Yep. And they make it three ranks trying to kill off something with two ranks. They 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 charge something with two ranks with their cavalry, right? Like. All of these happen, things happen many times a game, and therefore it will see play and it will get used. Well, we'll move on to the uh, the title card of uh, the Martels, the Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. When a friendly unit is performing a panic test after the dice are rolled, uh, that unit may re-roll any dice for this test. If you control swords, they pass this test instead. Okay, so that bit, that that bit is fire that burns against the cold. It is Eddard's re-roll um, with the condition of obviously Eddard, but on swords, which is way better. Um, it's the uh, neutral card worth the risk. Worth the risk, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that lets you re-roll if you're short range of commander. It's auto pass. It steers auto pass. Um, without the auto, auto pass. and stuff. Yeah, Jamie's auto pass. Um, that's good, right? That, that, that's that's a good card. That that top bit is a good card. And then <laughs> uh, target one enemy in long range of this unit and attach that card to them until they're targeted by swords. Another targeted by swords attached card. We're starting to see a lot of these. How many times are your opponent even going to get to take swords? You're not removing them. Or until one of your friendly combat units is destroyed. Okay, reversed quest mechanic. Sure, we'll go for that. While attached, that enemy suffers minus two to morale. This is... This is literally... A base deck card... That is just straight up better. And I mean like fucking miles straight up better categorically than tywin's minus two morale like just just unbelievably better in all senses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's a base deck card yeah. <laughs> more a tier stuff 
A-tier base deck. So far. Yeah, it's, it's really strong as well because presumably by the time you've got to take a panic test, uh, the tactics boards won't even full. There's no chance for them to be targeted by the sword. And so they have to endure that full round at minus two, which stacks with other modifiers like Vicious, etc. Um, and then at the start of the round, um, you know, do they use a sword to remove it? What if you're going first and you take the sword, you get a free attack on them and they're minus two again? It's a very, very powerful card. It lets you push more damage through, which I like because the deck itself doesn't find a lot of ways to do that. So it's kind of a subtle way to get some extra damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's something I'm entirely sure about. Whose unit needs to die for this to come off? It says until one of your friendly combat. So target Who's one your? enemy. Yeah, I know, right? Who's your? So Is my... it the person who played it? Yes. Person who it's now attached to. Well, it refers to um, it refers to while attached, that enemy suffers minus two. If you if you are the subject, you're not an enemy. You're a friend. So the subject okay. of the card has to remain you as the player who played it, not okay. the opponent who the card is attached to. Otherwise, that yeah. that last phrase wouldn't. I work. can agree. I can agree. I just. But I do agree. I do agree. Not sure. Yeah. I know this isn't rules and it's just like flavor, but I guess the theme of the card is unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's the you know, that's how the mortals are. So if you do break them by killing a unit, like it loses the so <laughs> just, I'm just trying to figure some intent here, you know. Uh, now come on, unbowed. come on, Come on, look into the name of the card for who's the this and who's the that. Is this uh, a <laughs> that's is- fair. That's fair. Have we got to the point where we're like reading a magic fluff line from like the third line on a fluff text of magic and being like, oh, well, this card obviously does this. No, it doesn't. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I had the same question. I was like, who is it Who is it affecting? I was like, what yeah. would make sense here? But again, I again, it's my interpretation of what I think the card's supposed to do. Purely subjective. It would be nice if it was crystal clear. I do buy Mickey's uh, explanation, though, since enemy is yeah. one thing attached to and it's all reference to that. Yeah, I do. I do think with what we know about attached cards and like attachments and things like this, this could be cleared up a bit. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Let's go. Good card. Good card. Sand diplomacy, the winner for perhaps the worst named card ever in the history of anything, and uh, insert. Uh, Anakin, I don't like sand meme. Um, <laughs> start of any round. Your opponent chooses one tactic zone. Then you choose one tactic zone. So you've got two zones picked. The first time one of those zones is claimed, before resolving that zone's effect, the NCU claiming that zone loses all abilities until the end of the round. And that player's opponent targets a combat unit to become weakened. So, Sand Diplomacy, you play it at the start of the round, and you say, Swords, and then Carlo tells me, Crowns. If either me or Carlo takes Swords or Crowns, the NCU that takes it loses uh, loses its abilities, and the combat unit of the player who controls the NCU, one of them becomes weakened. Opponent's choice. Um, I don't know how good this is. 
right? I, I looked at this and I... I like to think that I'm pretty good at knowing how solid something is, like good or bad at something is. I certainly like to think that these two blokes here would be pretty fucking good at telling me how good something is. Carlo. Okay. Oh. Carlo first, because Arrakis, you know, you know, you've played this shit. <laughs> so go on, Carlo, what's your initial opinion? And then we'll get the experienced expert of the game, Arrakis, on this. <laughs> um, I, I think that maybe you can use it to further lean into the denial of swords, right? Which I think is is quite important in general so far in this deck, right? Like we've seen that overall denying particular zones to the non um, to, to the non Martel player is something of a theme or a strategy, shall we say, that you can lean into. I don't think that any of these cards. Uh, so that includes uh, Euron's uh, start of turn one, which basically says that if either of us take this zone kind of thing. Um, I don't think any of them are super powerful. I also don't think that the loss of most NCU abilities is that impactful. Um, also adding in a weakened means that we lean into this maybe swords effect, right? Like, because I say swords, you take it anyway, I weaken the unit that's about to attack. Now, there are some questions. For a start, if I'm the active player and I'm going to do an NCU who has an on-claim ability, do I get my on-claim before I lose my abilities? Because, yes, I think so. Which means that I can still swap the zone for something else with Illyrio. I can still pick anything with Baelish. Baelish, overall, generically speaking, seems to be an absolute must-have against everything that Martels are throwing at us, right? Like, you can take swords and replace it with different things when you can't use the swords. Being targeted by swords will take these cards off, do all these things. Overall, I think that it's not going to have the effect that you want it to have if your opponent wants, uh, like knows what's going on. And even when it does, you can just plow on through and take the zone anyway. And I think that because it's start of round, one of your three NCUs will have an ability that you're willing to lose. What do you reckon, Clarence? Yeah, no, I won't lie. Every time I drew this card, I um, pretty much chucked it. I uh, figured I didn't have the IQ to uh, use it to, to the best of because I was like, well, I kind of want that zone too. But um, yeah, I think the, the very niche case where it'd be useful is when your opponent's going first and they're going to take the sword and slap you with, um, with an attack. So then you get the weakened token on, I guess. But it's, it's the problem, too, is I'm just trying to wonder, I guess the most effective NCU abilities you'd cancel are influences, right? Because I was thinking, like, Marjorie, if Marjorie, for example, takes a zone, she would still get to heal on claim before she gets turned off. So influences that matter? This is, this is a big problem, right? And perhaps it's something that we won't go into the full details of it. We've covered it before. The NCU side of an activation 
is woefully underruled. Um, mm. Like every action it, in the it game doesn't have proper ordering steps of like yeah. the order that you go through and any timing priorities and where things where things come in. Most NCUs seem to be able to do their effect um, effectively simultaneously with the zone. Therefore, you can choose it to be first or you can choose it to be after. All these things create a lot of conflicts when you're both trying to do something. Mm-hmm. And that and that does a big issue um, with the way that we understand before resolving the zone's effect. Because if you choose to resolve the zone's effect first before using the NCU's effect, then you would lose all abilities. But if you choose to do the NCU effect before the zone's effect, then you wouldn't lose any abilities because you're not in the before the zone's effect segment. Um, this has a huge amount of issues. Um, and actually, like, like this is actually a ruling and this is an understanding of one of the most meta matchups at the moment in the Mance versus Night's Watch matchup um, is that this understanding of how the NCU and the zone claim interact with one another is how you know somebody understands the matchup or not really well because you can as either player depending on the level of knowledge there's a level of manipulation there um that interacts i won't go into the full details of that but like that is very important and this card could be very good and it can be an absolute pile of shit and that's before we really consider how we'd even use it in a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Either it just doesn't do anything, and, and as we said, like only really shuts down like influences, or maybe it's like an Elena or whatever. Um, or it doesn't really do anything. Um, yeah. It, it's limited to start around. There's a full five or six zones, maybe even seven. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> we'll see a wild seven, yes. seven zone matchup uh, sometime soon. There's there's a whole five five six zones. I'm gonna pick one, and then you're my opponent. This is best of me saying, okay, I want to block swords, right? Like it seems seems to be generically off the top of my head. I'm gonna block swords. Maybe I'm gonna stop you from my bags for a heal, right? Like something like that. Then in response, you're then going to look at the board and say, well, the one I want is this now as my second choice. So I'm not going to block that, and that's the one I'm going to take. And then which one will he take in response? Oh, he wants that one, and so I'll block a third zone, right? So I say, okay, well, I'll take bags. You've blocked swords. I'll do that. And you know what? Letters is also, uh, you know, the third one that I think that you're going to want to take. So I end up taking bags, and now it's on you. You've got less zones to pick from. I picked the next best zone, and I left two of them with a bad situation on them. So I really just think that it's the first trash tier card. Like, if I drew it mid-round, I would discard it and draw a new card for the next round. If I had it at the start of the round, because I'd just discarded my whole hand and just drawn into it, there's a good chance that I don't play it anyway, and I discard it. So... Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's actually close to unplayable in all but a few niche situations. I think the the the, the big thing, the the big thing for me, would be um, like a Stark setting up like an assault orders off swords is probably about the only scenario I'd want to play this. Um, like a Caitlyn's assault. Like, like, what are we? 
One of the, um, okay, great. That is actually one of our best situations. That's literally we the stopped, best. Yeah, that is literally you from the best. Caitlin. You, you stop, we stop you from being able to use Caitlyn, right? Yeah. Uh, I think anyway, even if we, we probably agree that you get to put Caitlyn on, take a, take, uh, take a token off, then she loses her influence effect to that. So she doesn't let you attack on the highest attack dice. Then she throws down on assault orders. The impact, the negative impact of taking the zone is really, really very minimal. Um, and and it applies to both of us. Like, it's just not good. Yeah, I, I think each game I chucked it out. I never used it. Uh, I figured, like, I don't know if I can get a lot of value out of it. It might backfire and hurt me. Downsides don't seem that bad for my opponent. <laughs> so I'm just going to not spend the time thinking about how to get the most out of this card. Mark, Mark saying, why aren't we talking about, sorry, we, is, is, is um, Sunseer's Sun Spear Secrets, is that the four-point NCU, Doran? I'm guessing so. I really don't understand no. how this interacts with four-point NCU, Doran, or how it helps him. It is the ability on the four-point NCU. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> How 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 is this how how is this card keeping keeping zones available for Doran? If they're valuable, the 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 negative ramifications for taking the zone is so low that it is if it's important and useful, then you just do it anyway. Yeah, Doran has no problem. Assuming they don't have Peter, Doran has no problem taking one of those two zones every round. Nothing stops yeah. him. Sand diplomacy is not going to deter your opponent. If uh, you know, what would you rather have a weakened token and 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 lose NCU abilities, or would you rather give your opponent two VPs by round four? Like it's you eat that penalty without. It's not going to stop you. No, and uh, not every round. Doran can't always take them um, we'll because, of course, that. Yeah. Um, even without Baelish. Any round where Water Garden is one of the options, if your opponent goes first, they can take Water Garden and then take the other option directly after it because you don't get an NCU in between. Now, Baelish interacts with all of that and says that if the Baelish player um, really wants, then, um, then they can do that on any turn where they go first. They can definitely block both zones, uh, but that's uh, that's all getting into Baelish interactions, which, like I say, like Baelish just seems to be not a must-have, but like a hard counter to a lot of what Martels want to try and achieve. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the Strangler Poison as well later on. Um, <clears throat> where the Strangler's Poison is interesting. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that. It's a pretty uh, mind-blowing mechanic. Uh, we'll move on, though, for now. And we have Superior Positioning. Um, which uh, is uh, the Rob NC uh, Rob Stark commander card. Um, if someone charges, it's a disorderly on a three or less, and uh, vulnerable um, if they fail or if it's a disorderly. Um, this just isn't a good card. Like disorderly. It, it, it's nice to give someone a disorderly charge when they're on an auto in. Like, not good. 
but it doesn't force them to fail the charge in any way. Um, nowhere near as good as Uberon's, like, hey, here's minus two movement, which, like, has a real chance to turn that auto into, by the way, that auto, which, you know, you set up exactly six inches away, you were really happy with an auto. Oh, by the way, you only complete the charge on a three, right? Yeah. Now, if we were minus two movement, movementing something and making them complete the charge on a three, it can be very, very powerful. But just saying you have a 50-50 chance of a disorderly, yeah, you know what? You're going to play it, but yeah, not nowhere near the first first few cards that we brought up in this deck. This is uh, not, yeah. not our best. If that's yeah, the other not problem our best, me. then... Hmm? Yeah, go for it. Sorry about that. I was going to say the other problem for me is that, as Carlos says, half the time you make your point disordered, and the other half of the time the card does absolutely nothing. It's a 50-50. Absolutely like, nothing. It's a 50-50, it's a, it's a and anybody who's like... Anybody who has the ability and really needs a charge not to be disorderly, like Targaryens or um, or Starks, have rerolls. Like, a lot of... Mm -hmm. Not everyone has them, but a lot of factions have rerolls, and yeah, this just isn't good. Sorry. <laughs> um... Yeah, it'll get played. Yeah, you'll see it every game and it'll get played, but I just don't think it matters. The thing is, like, and this is the other thing though, is that when it works, it will make certain it will make a good proportion of players just feel really shitty because it worked and they'll be like, Oh, it's disorderly charge, I can't do this, this, this and this. Um Which does suck, you know, but hey, that's life. <laughs> um And now we have the final card. The Martel quest card. Start of any turn. Target one friendly common unit. They attach the card. When one friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, you put an order token on the card. Right, nothing new there. Quest card. While the card has a token, each time this unit attacks, for each attack die value of one, they suffer a wound. That, that doesn't seem very good. While this card has a token, and this unit's opponent controls the crowns, Okay. Each time this unit is targeted by a tactic zone before resolving the zone's effect, they suffer one wound. You give this to opponents and you make them suffer lots of wounds. All of a sudden, not healing? Pretty useful. The problem, I think, with this card, I mean, it's quite a good card. The problem for me with this card is that if something's already like if something's already killed something to get this card to be put on it that's actually in working order unless you're playing a very close game you're probably already in a really bad spot and taking like a couple of wounds is they don't give a shit. Like, I think mm. that's the problem with this. Like, so, so now we're, we're basically saying now that it's 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 when the Martells kill a unit, right? Like, so it, it's it's an inverse quest card. It's actually more like other um, way around. You put it on an opponent, and when they yeah, and when their friendly unit. When their friendly unit dies, 
It says, Why well, not? It's actually them. It has to be their friendly unit. Well, this is the problem. Like, oh god, it's into a rules question, isn't it? Whose unit needs to die? Target an enemy combat unit and attach the and attach this card to them until the end of the game. Yep. And then it so says, this card is attached to an enemy. Yeah. Then and it says, when a friendly attached to them says, when a friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, place an order token on this card. It must. It must. It. I'm guessing. I am guessing that it means you attach it to an enemy, and it's still referencing the, from the point of reference where you currently are. It isn't changing the point of reference. So attach it to an enemy, and I'm still referring to my own stuff as friendly, is my only way that this card would make any sense. Because if you do it the other way around, it makes virtually no sense. Are we going to go with an Ariakas? Well, it's not Vengeance, unless it's one of my units that died. Case closed, friends. Case closed. <laughs> uh, That's shit wording. That's just shit wording. I agree. I do agree completely. That card is attached to my enemy, and therefore, from the attack perspective right so, i mean like when we move on to the second paragraph we're talking from the first person's perspective when i make an attack i take wounds otherwise like yeah. what like every time you attack and it has a token on like somebody else magically takes wounds <laughs> no we're now talking from the first person's perspective that each time it rolls a dice of a one they they suffer a wound Anyway, the, the, I mean, I sort of agree, but literally because of the word vengeance. Other than that, I think that everything should be perceived to be you put it on a unit and then whatever. And Soren says, on all quest cards, have your own stuff die? No, the neutral one does not. No. Neutral one, you attach to yourself, and when enemies die, you gain tokens. The, the, the actual second bit is even worse, where it's like, while this card has a token and this unit's opponent controls crowns, because that is clearly indicating this unit's opponent, which is you. So it's not changing the frame of reference. It's actually being very clear with who it's regarding. But it doesn't set a frame of reference. It simply just says, this unit's opponent. Whereas the whole first bit doesn't set that frame of reference very well. Um, Wait, hold on, hold on. Isn't the first paragraph, though, like, makes sense if you look at it, like, in context of itself? Because you say target enemy unit. Yes. So it's enemy to me as a Martel player. Yeah. And then everything else in the same paragraph talks about friendly imagery of Calvary. So friendly would mean friendly to me as yes. a player. So the first paragraph is one frame of reference. The second paragraph is a different frame of reference. Mm -hmm. And but what I'm saying is friendly. I think it's clear there because it's friendly to the Martel player. It's not like you know when a friendly unit to the enemy unit. It's it's friendly to me as a Martel player. I think I think the first paragraph is fine on its like in the context of itself. The problem being the first paragraph is one frame of reference is which which we you know which is what we're saying. The problem being is that by saying you target an enemy unit and attach it to them. It's now attached to that unit, and you change the frame of reference. Exactly. In Once the middle it of the paragraph. Once attached to a new unit, it feels like we're now on that unit's frame of reference. Yeah. As soon as you put attach this to an enemy unit, 
I'm now that unit's frame of reference, in my opinion. I, I can, look, I'm, this isn't the hill I'm going to die on, but literally, first time I read it, that's the way I believed it was. And they suffer a bunch of wounds. Which is okay. I mean, the effect is okay. Um, I just think that it's... It's reckless strikes with no benefit, and other stuff. A wound every time the target attacks its zone. Yeah. I think this would work with something like a poison mechanic if you fail to kill them uh, with your units and they kill a unit in return. Um, it punishes them for doing that. Um, I don't particularly think that this is that strong because like quest cards in general are not good. <laughs> um, and this is a quest card where you go, ha I'm going to put it on that unit over there and I'll go, Right, but that, that's a piece of shit unit. I don't give a fuck. Well, it doesn't have to be. I mean, it right. can kill Mag, it can kill Giants, it yeah. can kill Solos, it can kill Champions of the Stag, it can kill things which forcing through wounds are significantly more important. But, um, but if you... I mean, don't forget that, like, uh, if you've ever played against Mance NCU, the rate at which you can choose to target a unit with tactic zones is quite high. You take letters, you put... A token on them, you just got targeted by a tactic zone. You tell them to take a crowns test, they automatically take a wound, there's another one. You try and heal yourself, take a wound, please. You try and make a swords attack, you try and maneuver, you try and do anything with all five of the zones, they all target a unit. Two of them are in the enemy's control to do the target with, and three of them are in your own, own self-interests. So... You're saying, oh, put this on a piece of shit unit, and I don't care. I'm like, why have I put it on a piece of shit unit? Like, I've put this on your most tanky, most difficult thing for me to kill. Oh, 100%. Uh, and so I do think it can have a real impact. The, I think my, my problem, though, right, in the back of that, is I, you do put this on my tankiest, hardest thing to kill, right? And as we currently know, we haven't looked at the units yet, but like you don't have cheap units really in in Martels. You don't have four point units. So if I've killed a unit already, I've already killed like a significant proportion of your on-field force. Like, therefore, I'm probably already in the driving seat. And this is assuming you draw it early on. Like you draw this late into the game, like all the quest cards, it's pointlessly shit. Um, yeah, I'm... Um, it's not. It's certainly by no means the worst quest card, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if we take the modern assumption that you have to have a quest card in your deck, <laughs> then, like... It's not the worst. If, if you stick Lance Pays' decks on his unit, and I stick Ronish Vengeance on the same unit, and they both proc, then I think you've got a shit deal out of it. And, yeah. you know... You're not. You're not gonna. You wouldn't want to take one. Like take take ones as wounds in favor of having vicious, right? At that point, yeah. And and if you control crowns, then you get to put out. Um, then you get to put out tokens when you activate or do whatever. Like an action. I, I forget. You know, it's something terrible. And when I control crowns, you're taking more wounds every time I target you. So. I think I think that like in the tier of quest cards, it's mid. Some someone's... obviously, if we think that endless horde is a quest card, is not endless horde. No, 
it's not Blood of the Dragon. It's not and now his watch uh, now his watch has ended. It's probably not even um North Remembers. I do think the auto six charge on North Remembers can be super powerful. But yeah. Probably beats the others. People saying because the, the one wound uh, for each roll of a one, they suffer one wound used on Ranger Hunters. Uh, yeah, it could be quite punishing for Ranger Hunters. Um, I guess it gives Martels a, a pseudo solution to Ranger Hunters a little bit. Um, I guess. But like, you haven't got hidden I traps. Guess I think about it, what is dead may never die is probably better than this. And this, well, bizarrely, this actually probably counters what is dead may never die in a really weird, true, really true. weird sense. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess maybe in the tier list, it might end up being six or seven of eight. <laughs> oh, wait, With... of nine. Yeah, Lannister, it's Lannister. Seven or eight of nine. Lannister breath in a neutral. Is the one that it's clearly better than. Lannister Brath in a neutral near the nearly at the bottom. Um, all right then. Anyway, that's the base deck. I mean, there are five cards there that are yeah. nice, nice cards. Yeah. There are two cards there where we're like meh, and there's a card that we look at in Sand Diplomacy, which is kind of like what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I think I think that it's a more impactful easier to play base deck than a lot of other things out there. Um, simple triggers. All of them, very simple yeah. triggers. Um, cool. As I said earlier, when I was talking about the commanders, the bones of the faction, which the things that like probably aren't changing for a while, things that you can't just throw some neutrals in to kind of like shore up, shore up your, your, your inefficiencies, your tactics deck, your major commanders, those bones are good if they can put together some lists that really work into the meta then they'll be fine they'll actually be a mid mid competitor without loads of boxes loads of choices mm -hmm. right then shall we move on to the attachments now if anyone's ever seen us review uh a attachment segment of any faction clarence you'll know this one well do we buy attachments the answer is no no one buys attachments unless they have the word relentless and then we stop and we talk about it so we are going to rocket through these we're just going to go like quick good bad if there's something we want to talk about we'll talk about it certainly any new words any wordings or any new abilities we'll talk about briefly uh but let's just dive in so two point oberin martel uh i don't even need to look at the other side is this guy going to see play no, he may do because yeah, he's over in Martell. Yes, he's over in Martell, exactly. In non-Oberyn lists, we'll run this command, uh, this attachment for two points. Expert Duelist and his Viper's Fangs from before. Fine. I'm probably not buying him for two points, but people do buy Loras for two points when he's not the commander. With Expert Duelist and another ability, people buy other stuff. Like, he will see play. He might not be very good. Happy with that? Awesome. Right. Area Hotar, the two-point attachment version. Uh, battle plan and mark target. Now, 
Mark Target, you mentioned before, Arakas, very useful in the, the Oberyn commander lists. Um, I don't think Battle Plan is that good an ability, except there is, I believe, play for him in a Harmon Other list, where you want Set for Charge, where you really want, uh, say, um, Battle Endurance early. Maybe you want that morale check heal. I can see Hotar going into some Stormcrow mercenaries for a six-point unit to get out maybe those start-of-round piece of shit or like these charge cards that you don't give a shit from the base deck because you can discard them because they're not good and then start actually getting some of your commander cards out that are very impactful. Um, I can almost see it making lists, I think. Because you're not Night's Watch and you haven't got these cards that are absolutely ridiculous at all levels of the game. Um, who are the only other people with Battle Plan at the moment on Samuel Tali? Um, would you say fair? No. I'd say <laughs> you just wasted two points. Fair. That, that, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it is very corner case. The fact that it's two cards for one card uh, makes it, you know, it basically has a specific use in round one, possibly round two, that you didn't get the cards that you wanted, so you discard them and get new, uh, get one specific card. I do actually really like that it actually specifies that you shuffle your deck, which, or maybe I should say, I really don't like that it specifies that you shuffle your deck, because it sort of indicates that anything that doesn't say that you shuffle your deck it gives credence to the argument that when you search your deck, if it doesn't say shuffle, then you don't have to shuffle, which I think is the most bonkers argument I've ever heard people come up with. Uh, because if I have a good memory, well, you know what? No, even a good memory, nothing says that I can't write things down. I could just search my deck and write down the order of every attack this cards that I'm about to draw and then say, ah, oh, uh, no, I, it doesn't say I have to shuffle. So I'll just pick one card out, please. And I'll just, Put it back the way it was. Um, yeah, uh, I've I've heard people legitimately say that without um, sarcasm. Sarcasm involved. Yeah, yes. yeah. People actually people actually that have is. said that's completely right. That's one hundred percent correct. Um, that, that's the way Michael Chanel would rule it. Um, yeah, I think that. that... Anyway, so <laughs> I hate that it says that. Cause it me, you know, because of its implications in that way. Um, but overall, I, I, I think, I think, I think you're wasting two points. I, I think map target's not quite worth a whole point, and I don't think battle plan's worth a whole point. So why are we spending two points on things that we didn't need? Oh, yeah, Cass, you ran him in a list that you uh, you built with Oberyn. Uh, you clearly think that he's worth two points, or at least worth enough two points for the synergies that you're well, willing to try. To be fair. <laughs> that list was a concept to go all in on Manticore and it said, how many ways can I throw Vulnerable on you? And this is the way to do it. Um, was it worth two points in that context? Um, I guess the question is, if you save those two points, what do you get out of it? Because I had him in Spearman. I mean, I think your idea of using... Um, did I even fit Stormcrows? I couldn't because I took Bastard Girls and Flayedman. So I was already... And I took Peter. So I was already maxed out. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a seven-point unit. Uh, so what could I have taken instead that would have been better? Now, in the context of only motels, I could only take skirmishers. So would I rather have skirmishers? Oh, God. 
Oh, I don't have them. No, no, I don't quite yeah, have them. Yeah, we don't have those yet. It's because because I, I say that because Royal Guard feel like a very direct upgrade replacement for Spearman, right? Like, they, they feel like they perform the same role, have not quite the same abilities, but they feel like it's, it's a huge unit role change for, for, the, uh, for the skirmishes. Obviously, you chose Spearman and Hotar for seven, but if you had Royal Guard available, would you have taken the Royal Guard for seven? Yeah, that's a very interesting question because I think they actually also add vulnerable to martial prowess. So yeah, they do. it's mm -hmm. almost like mm -hmm. a one also. Um, yeah, I mean, I generally agree. Two points is not good value for plating your army to 40 points. Uh, it was worth it for the extra vulnerable token. I mean, it kind of put the ball rolling, to be fair, in the context of the Oberon list because once Oberon poisons you, um, you know, you have to think about how many bundles can you throw on and he does kind of throw on two between two rounds but it's probably only usable in Oberyn and outside of that I mean I think it's actually very clever to get battle endurance but uh, you know my natural instincts say no you don't want two points um, it's a very very specific um, situation get battle endurance we can go, go and get those quest cards round one which is the only time that we want them just trying to trigger, trigger Mickey there. No, you, you are right. Because <laughs> battle endurance, see that, this is why I'm like, you know what? You don't need to go and get battle endurance because battle endurance is still a great card when drawn on round four. You didn't have to fish for it and pick, pull it out your deck round one. No, you didn't. But like, something like set one for charge. Games, it's on the bottom of your deck. Yeah, and, and set for charge. That's true. Is a is a card that you definitely want out in round two or three. Like set for charge in like round five and six is probably gonna feel pretty bad because either you're already engaged or the engagements aren't really new or the, there's not much charging going on, right? Um, so I feel like you want that card. Uh, and some of the other like some of the other dawn cards there, like rising temperature and stuff like that. Um, you might want at key moments, start of turns or activations. Oh, come on. Look, Mickey, we were supposed to just say whether or not guys are good hey. and bad. This guy's bad. He's two points. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, half an hour at one point. So immediately one point means might get picked. Um, and he comes with Dornish Conviction, which is like Bar Baratheon Conviction, but better. And Reinforcements, which is the uh, ability that modern day conscript captains conscripts leaders conscriptors whatever they're called um watch cap watch conscripts ah fucking no that guy watch marshall no the guy that conscripts people <laughs> um convictions, he's better than like a baratheon conviction uh because you don't have to be in a baratheon or like a a specifically like stannis or renly unit um it's just a flat out if you control crowns you roll highest attack dice which is okay it synergizes with his other ability and reinforcements you kind of want crowns if you're playing dawn i could almost see him being picked up as a one point attachment with a doran commander list um i don't know if doran commander is good enough to see play competitively that's about the only place i see him being picked I just had to do yeah. and double check what the Watch Recruiter actually does, and I would say the Watch Recruiter is universally better. He has the reinforcements rule, but he comes with insight as an order, which means yeah. that you don't have to control crowns. You can only use it once per round, but you're going to get max attack dice anyway, 
and vicious off of insight. Doesn't you work. What, on, like, doesn't work on ranged attacks though, right? Okay. I mean, yeah, there's a little... right, but like, what ranged attacks are we really like? Wait, we're not a hugely strong ranged faction. Yes, maybe there is sand skirmishers. Maybe you know their dual, their dual bouncing and out of combat, all that kind of stuff. Maybe, but I think he's not trashed here at one. No. I just don't think that. I say I, I, I only think, him I think unless... you only see him in Doran lists. Only ever see him in Doran commander lists. I, I don't see him played outside that. I just think that if you have this point lying around, it's not the worst point you can spend. But he's got the attachment problem, which is points don't one point one point is not easy to come by in this game. Abara, Abara Sand, uh, the one point attachment seals with Sundering and Uncontrollable Rage. For one point to put Sundering on a unit, yeah, cool. The Uncontrollable Rage, I really don't give a shit about. Um, I. No. That's the short no. answer. You just say no. Uh, yeah, I have to say that, like, uh, who costs one point for. Um... The Kingsguard, uh, who gives plus one to hit, and does he give Vicious as well? Or... Where are they? Mandan, where are they? Mandan. Might be Mandan. Uh, he, he requires Crown, but that's like pretty much a gimme inside of... Um, a traditional Mandan. Lannister build. Mandan's going to give you plus one to hit and Thundering. If you control Crowns. I think that that's a better package. Mandan, and Mandan doesn't see play. So, yeah. Not, I mean, uh, not, not selling it for me. An uncontrollable rage, like a self-morale test, has no synergy that we're currently aware of inside Martel. Like, you haven't got Warrior Sons or... No. Yeah, I, mean, I, I literally put zero value on uncontrolled rage. Yeah. If you offered me uncontrolled rage for zero points... I really don't think I would put it in most of my units. I might, because memes... No, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, charging on a not-a-choice is not a good thing. Um, so yeah, that's a no, uh, as Evil Sponge says in chat, a no-barra there. Um, Alright, Nymeria for two. So she has two points. She brings... No. <laughs> She brings Advantage Strike, which someone pointed out on uh, one of the Discords somewhere. This really should be Advantageous Strike. Advantage Strike is just bad English. Um, this must be one of those Brazilian translations we've got. Uh, when attacking enemies that have not activated this round, this unit's main attacks may reroll any attack dice, an ability that Carlo kind of likes. Um, and then it comes with Dornish Vengeance, which I don't think is trash but it's not good uh and this is again this is like um the funniest shit about this is this is very similar to vengeance of the crown from boris blunt but vengeance of the crown is on crowns and only does one wound whereas this does two wounds plus so boris is gonna sat there being like oh <laughs> 
Yeah, but he also only cost a point. So. Yeah, he does only cost a point. The question well, not, is, not worry about poor Boris. Is 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 advantageous? Like, if we assume Dornish Vengeance is one point, is advantageous strike one point worth? No, no, not no, in a million years. Right. All it's going to give you is attack rerolls. Like, no, advantageous strike is the most quarter point ability I've seen. <laughs> Like, I think it's generous to say I'd pay half a point for it. Wow. You could double the game to 80 points like everybody asks, and I'm still not paying one point for Advantage Strike. <laughs> and only partly because it's called Advantage Strike. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed reading it because I was like, oh, it's kind of like uh, what Cutthroats get. Oh, wait, there's no Vulnerable Token. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just not good. <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. Okay, we'll move on then. Um, Eliasand, another two-point attachment. So, Carlo. Almost almost <laughs> definitely a yes, because I love two-point <laughs> attachments. Uh, comes with naked precision and boisterous charisma. Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying this for one point. <laughs> that total package. I mean, if... if, if 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 Nymeria was one point, I'd buy it, right? Like I do think that the retribution like is high enough such that like you could play around that at a point. But this, yeah, I'm still I wouldn't even buy this at one point. I have another massive issue with this card, right? A massive, massive issue with this card, which is something I noticed of a lot of the more recent releases of this boisterous charisma card uh, thing, which they were not going to talk about massively, but boisterous charisma. On Renly 2, the first time we ever saw it, is innate. Boisterous Charisma on Elia Sand is not innate. So if you can remove something's abilities without targeting it by an order, tactics card, or NCU influence, then you can still remove Boisterous Charisma, which then removes all the other abilities as well anyway, which means it can then be targeted. And there are things in the game that's flat up, don't target, that remove abilities. Which means that Boisterous Charisma just isn't that good. No. Right? No, I can't I can't seem to find any notable value in, 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 in Boisterous Charisma. Like there's 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 no play or thing in the meta which I'm like, if I could just shut that thing down, like oh I'd be great, right? Like and and you know what? I'm willing to spend a point or two be able to shut that thing down now there's no one thing that's not really the way like good list design is working there was one specific thing which i needed to stop you using on one specific one of my units then your battle plan's already bad anyway like all i have to do is like deploy further away from you and and and, and it'll all be solved so yeah i just you know again it, it's generous the call boisterous charisma or half point ability vision is a half point ability so, yeah, you know, like, she's not even worth a point. 0 0.8, 0 0.75, 0 0.5. We're getting there. Uh, Dervish Captain for two. We saw these boys. Uh, so Discord and Disrupt. I think if you're... Yeah. I read this guy. I saw this side of the card first. I thought he was one. <laughs> and I thought, that's a good deal. Yes. I might buy this. Then I found out it was two, and I was like, no, too expensive. But these are 
too goodish ability. Like disrupt, disrupt is fine and is synergistic with our play style of Martels, and so Discord has value into into things that are happening, even though it's speculative most of the time because most people are running really good morale. The things that you are able to shut off are basically worth three points. Now, if you could make a one to three point trade in terms of relentless, then yeah, absolutely. But I'm not trying to make a two for three point trade, which only happens like one in three of the time, right? Like me getting you to fail five up morale, maybe six, if I've like managed to do some damage to your watch captain, to your whatever relentless you are, you know, whether or not you're Victorian or some of that, right? I'm not doing a two to three point attachment trade to still only have a 50-50 chance. I I don't know what you think, Clarence, on this one. I, I do think we will see him teched into lists, potentially, um, depending on if Relentless still exists in a strong way and is causing Martel's issues. Um, I don't think you see more than one of them in a list, though. It's not going to get spammed by any stretch. Like... A typical attachment problem. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he's good enough to have as a fringe consideration. Uh, yeah. The Spearman I captain... I think it's good that he's not one, because when I saw him at one, my mind instantly jumped to, oh, I'm going to have... I, I could have two or three of this in the list, and, and, and suddenly I'm an absolute rel anti-relentless tech. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, no, I didn't just spend three points. I thought I spent six points. So... That doesn't work. Um, Spearman Captain uh, order on Threaten. Um, enemy long range becomes weakened. Um, this isn't that good an ability, really. It's not that popular. Because it normally synergizes poorly with the units that have it, um, or the tactics cards. Now, the truth of the matter is, like in Martels, I think this only uh, counter-synergizes with Con Employ. Like, literally the only card that it counter-synergizes with. There, I don't think they've got any other orders that we've seen that start of uh, a unit activates. So I actually think that one point for Threaten, if we're talking about survivability and we're talking about having like problems with not dying, this actually is, is probably going to see play and probably going to be okay. I don't know if it's going to see a lot of play because it's an attachment. <laughs> uh, but as an attachment go... Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think I think C play was an exaggeration. I think <laughs> not worthless. Yes, possibly the best point you can spend if you've got a spare point left. Um, yeah, only because you're setting up generically a lot of what you're doing seems to be based around this idea that hey, I just want to survive until round five, and threaten can help that. So there we go. There's the attachments. Uh, the only attachment there that really any interest in Dervish Captains potentially, I say potentially, and maybe like maybe the Oberyn Martell at two, maybe Harmanulla at one, and the Pikeman Cap the Spearman Captains. Those are the only four attachments really we're looking at. Maybe two of them might see the meta inverted commas Martell lists. Um, yeah. yeah, probably not. Um, I saw I saw somebody put together a list. It might have even been you, Mickey. 
um, put together a list. It had um, bottom blackguards in okay. to like shore up, shore up how long you're going to be alive. Now, that list ended up with, I think, a Dreadfort captain in it. That was from Chris. Now, yeah. It's very telling that Dreadfort captain sees no play, despite being neutral, despite being one point, despite Bolton Blackguard seeing play. Anybody and everybody can field him for one point. That you wanted to put him in the list, or whoever wrote the list wanted to put him in the list over every one point option that the faction itself is providing says everything you need to know about what the faction specific attachments are providing which is just not enough i mean clarence you've been building this you've been playing games obviously you've been trying things out just testing ideas but i mean have you actually looked at any of them yourself and gone oh that will work in his idea or are you mostly just skimming over them thinking nah 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 yeah i mean definitely looked at every attachment definitely thought about how can they synergize with my army and it's just it's the problem with attachments you know as we've said before said it again of all of them the spearman is the one i most likely use but probably not you know uh, what i'm really considering is effective storm for example i don't have a third unit spearman so again some Thinking about literally because I don't have more five point units. If I took Storm Crows, who would be my one point attachment? Um, mm -hmm. I took the Storm Lieutenant, he's always a solid choice. I think, you know, just to throw weakens round after round is not a, not a terrible thing. But yeah, you know, attachments just generally suck, is the bottom line. You'd rather have more units or better units. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's just the issue with attachments. Mm -hmm. and, and as we'll, I assume we'll move on to look at in a second. Spending one more point, it's not always just like, I'd rather have another unit or better units or whatever. One of the most significant places that you can spend one more point is moving from the four to five point category in NCUs. That can really define the game. Running a five point NCU, Tyrene Sand, uh, Olena, running uh, Othel, these five point category NCUs, uh, Melisandre, they can all start to be list and game defining. Why would I miss that opportunity just to like have threaten like at one point in my list? So really that's that's the thing that you have to consider that you're losing because NCUs in the five point category, when good, are really, really powerful. If you're talking about a two point NCU, you're basically saying like oh, no, I'm going to pass up on the ability to have Tywin NCU and instead just take, you know, whoever your third pick, to have Cersei or something else, like, absolutely low tier. You know, I... <laughs> yeah. So those points, they can do so much more for you. And Tyrion Sand is where I'd always spend it because the assumption is, is that I'm spending four on an NCU to begin with. And spending one more in Tyrene is really going to get you a lot further. The only attachment I could see you purchasing in Martel for one point is the only one that you can't, which is the commander version of Ario Hota. If he was a one point attachment, I would say like that's like newt slash level. Put him in lists. He's, he's just good. Yeah. But no. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yes, the NCUs. We're starting off with the big one, Tyne Sand, for five points has this ability called healing hands uh not healing at all uh 
this does not heal mm. anybody um at the start of round two choose one tactics zone the next time an enemy ncu claims that zone attach the strangler poison card to them the strangler poison card i will uh, get up for us right now is uh this one here so no it is you dead you yeah you basically dead uh there we go so at the end of each round place one order token on this card if this card has two order tokens destroy the unit this card is attached to so the simple way of reading this you put the strangler on the tactics board at the start of round two as when an opponent to the martel player takes that tactics zone you attach the strangler at the end of the round that, that card was attached it has an order token placed on it and the next round at the end of that next round the ncu will die because that second token comes down there are an infinite number of problem rulings and discussions already with this uh can elena blank the zone and therefore prevent the attached card going on because healing hands the ability has been blanked and it's like no because you've got to think of it as like a fire and forget baelish card it's just that they put the attachment of the card onto tyne rather than the attachment of the card onto the fucking card itself which is really fucking stupid um does the card accumulate order tokens even before it's been attached to anything because it doesn't say it needs to be attached to gave order tokens which would be fucking pointless because at the end of round two it would immediately kill everyone like straight away so like that seems weird um so but 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 yeah here we go it doesn't say if you have two or more if you avoid getting it in round two yes yeah, exactly. Then pick it up on round three. <laughs> when it has three other tokens attached to it, then you won't die. <laughs> these are all the these are not the misreadings, but these are all the kind of like potential actual raw rules as written interpretations that are possible with this, which immediately makes me just fucking hate this because the way it's been written is just entirely incentivizes bad rules discussions that i hate um well i feel like but, personally i feel like that's a stretch right like when i read the rules i thought it was very clear yeah myself i i don't i, I don't i don't see how any interpretation can come around that the strangler is in play before it's attached to a unit but then the like, elena how, how and why how and why would that be a thing but right? I, like it doesn't say this card comes with the strangler. It doesn't right. say that both of them are there. It doesn't say like they're in play. It says that when next time an enemy claims the zone, then you're going to put the strangler on that unit. The, that, the problem the being that the, the Elena blanking idea, okay. like now, the I do rules agree of attaching with the discussion around Elena blanking, like that is actually, and and I don't think that you're on 100% sure footing to say. Oh, it's it's just written on Tyreen's card for the sake of ease. Like, no, I think that I I would possibly be in the camp that Olena can blank her. 
Potentially. The problem, the problem being is that like, not I don't actually care right, about. Because as far as I'm concerned, the strangler effect wasn't in play. Like, there's no reason for it to be in play, right? Tyrene Sand has an effect. Yep. She picks a zone, and then if you activate Elena and say she has no effect this round, then the zone becomes available again. Or at least the card doesn't attach. The card's still there. It's just that the rules for attaching. Why, why, why is the card there? Because if I forget, right, we know the Baelish's ability. Yeah, but why Why are you making this assumption that there's a card there? Like, no, specifically, you the, put... The, the zone now has an additional effect, which if you take it, yes. you will attach a card. That doesn't mean... And yes, people will put a card on the table yeah. to remind them which zone it is, but nothing about the rules is saying that, like, okay, start of a round. Place the strangler card sure, sure, over sure. Uh, over over one of these tactic zones. Next time they activate this zone, they will take the thing. Sure, now, but, but that's like, said, that's academic. That that what you just said there is academic. The only thing that actually matters is the attachment of the card is on her card. That's the only thing that actually matters. Yeah. Where the strangler yes. is isn't important. It's just that you would yes. say you attach it to the zone, therefore put it on the zone to indicate that. Um, like. The problem being is that the attachment of the card being on her NCU creates this discussion of what is right and wrong. Yeah. And if it's not meant to be blanked, then that's fine. I've got no problem with that ruling. Mm -hmm. If it is supposed to be blanked, I'm fine. I've got no problem with that ruling. Uh -huh. What I want is I want to know which one's right. Yeah, and it's impossible to know. Yeah, I can definitely see it going both ways. Um, yeah, I was just checking the FAQ to check Olena's ruling and talks about things have been resolved. Have this has this been resolved? It's a little bit hazy, unfortunately. Yeah, personally, personally, I, I, my gut feel, like my gut feel is, at the start of round two, she has to choose a tactic zone. Yep. But if she loses her abilities, then that zone no longer has that effect during this round, right? Like, and Olena will switch off for a round, Intrigue and Subterfuge, if Tyrion, how do you pronounce it? Ty, Tyene. Tyne Sand. Yeah, Tyne. Tyne. Yeah. Tyne activates, and you go and do Intrigue and Subterfuge, then, hey, zone's free again, right? Like, there's her, her ability, which, for me, until it, until the Strangler becomes attached to somebody, isn't always on, not a fire and forget, can be switched off, is my gut feel. Because I feel I like it's always on. It wasn't fired and forget. The it, fire... You didn't forget and you didn't implement the effect until mm -hmm. it became attached to somebody. The fire and forget is purely the the, the idea of the, the choice of zone, right? You can't you can't rechoose the zone. You can't rechoose the zone. Yeah. No, what once once, once her abilities come back, it's the same zone again. Yeah. I was going to say I panicked for a second because I thought that uh, she throws on this strangler on her activation, and if you intrigue her, she would never get to do it again. But no, it's at the start of the round before she activates. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh my god, can intrigue just completely turn her off and never get to dark? Yeah, on turn two. Okay. But I guess to talk more about, you know, let's just look at the yeah. card as we think it be played. Um, 
how good is it? You know, and um, <laughs> how good is the card? So people, I think, notice that if you uh, only really works rounds two, three, and four, because by round five, you can take that zone. You don't care if your NCU dies at the end of round six. Um, so how critical is it to have a zone round two even necessarily? Like maybe it's only good round three or round four. Those are the action turns, so it definitely does matter. Um, you know, initially I was in the she's not good camp for five points because Peter gets around her, but then I forgot about the factions that are very zone dependent, Mickey, with the uh, Reefbook wanting the horse, or with Starks wanting the swords for a sudden charge, or uh, uh, assault order, sorry. Um, and other, oh, and Greyjoys. Greyjoys really want the sword too for what it's doing every time. So I guess in some factions, she can be very strong. And I guess, you know, the next level of thinking I had was, does it help me against the armies that are kind of on top? Against Free Folk? Yes. Against um, Targaryen's Night's Watch? Maybe not. It stops, uh, stops for the watch. Yeah. True. True. My, my problem with this card is it is a hard counter. Now, I know that sounds really weird. Like, hard counters are a good thing to some extent. But it is an extremely hard counter to specifically free folk, which I've actually got no issue with. But there's also, like, you would obviously nearly always choose the horses. And at that point, it's like, well, either I drew Render Sword on round one, or I now have to sacrifice an NCU. Like, you are gu guaranteed there is no real playing around this if I want to activate the core cards in my deck. My core card in my deck. Um, like, so not at the top level, but at other levels of the game, people are literally going to hate this. The same reason that like people hate field control as free folk players who aren't top tier is like, well, what the fuck do I do? And the simple answer is, yeah, you don't. You just accept it and move on with life. And yes, that sucks. But at the top level, we just learn to play around it. We learn to do other things, right? But for, the, for a large proportion of the player base, they just go, well, this is shit. I don't like the interaction. Um, and it it works for a lot of other factions like Starks or Greyjoys with the swords. It's like, well, this is just shit. Like, it's an interaction that I desperately need. And now I'm just fucked. But of course, well, I mean, we leave. You're not there, right? No, no, because, no. Like, because it's not like, it's not like your NCU dies. But it does. You know, like, that's the point. Okay, but like not <laughs> not until the end of the next yeah, round, right? right? Like sure, yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, like I agree. I mean, how many games? Like, yes, okay, it leans into this idea that Martels they desperately want the game to go on the whole round. Like everything seems to indicate that they want to play rounds four, five, and six. Yeah. <laughs> but really, in my personal experience, games are going longer. Games are like battle endurance is good now. The game is still determined on round three and round four. That is where Literally. the crutch of the game happens. That is where most of the winner and loser are determined, right? Units will be dead by round five. If not, then I don't know what the fuck's happening, right? Like, no units are dead by round five. And if units are dead, then the idea that an NCU could also be dead doesn't be absolutely wild right okay. and you could choose not to take it if it's that impactful for you yeah. and if your entire game revolves around you taking one zone of the tactics board 
then you, your list and your faction just isn't multi-dimensional enough. And completely agree. That's that's that, that that's a you problem. <laughs> no, I mean, I I'm I'm not worried about this particularly in terms of like how I play the game. What I'm going to look to do, how I'm going to look to play around it, right? What I I think it adds a new design feature, a new facet to design, which is good. Um, we saw it before the old. Do you remember old Jacken NCU? I think it was, or like, was it like Jacken attachment, enemy attachment? You got to kill a mm -hmm. NCU, and basically it never saw play because yeah. it was pointless. Um, yeah. I I can see this game played a lot because yeah. of the effect. I can see it being something you have to think about and play around. Um, I think it is good design for talking about understanding and limiting the tactics board. Mm -hmm. But I also believe that this is like almost completely counterintuitive to the very idea that they want to move away from a 3NCU meta. If I take two NCUs... Why? Because hmm? if I take two NCUs and you strangle one of, one of my two NCUs... Yeah, but like if you take two NCUs, then you should be less dependent and less forced to take the zone that has the strangler token on. Sure, but two NCUs, generally speaking, at higher value NCUs, right? We're talking like the likes of five pointers rather than the four pointers. Uh -huh. um, yeah, yeah, but like, but you can never force me to take that zone now. No, no, correct. Right, like uh, there are five zones. Mm -hmm. I activate, you activate, I activate, you activate, or flip that. And there are two zones left, which I can take mm -hmm. at all times. Only one of them has uh, the Shrangler on. Yeah. So I, I don't think that it is better for you to play into this with three NCUs. I think that's a, a silly concept. I, for me, the reason I think it's better from a three NCU perspective is because you're also more inclined to leave the board blank, which means you can activate more than NCUs than necessarily would normally fit on the board without necessarily having to skip in the same way. Um, you will, you most likely will be skipping still because of the way your activate, uh, activation order works. But I, for, for me, the thing is this does nothing to stop a current meta like discussion or problem or whatever you want to call it that people have been playing and complaining about forever and yet it is something that directly impacts the ncu board and it's kind of like with it's the first time we've seen a design feature that's i'm not going to say severe but it, it's quite a you know a heavy counter or a heavy control piece in that in that perspective of the board and I don't think it does anything to actually change the meta on that side of the board. I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say. And so if you're designing a heavy control piece that then doesn't impact the meta in some way, it doesn't feel like it's heavy enough, which seems ridiculous. That's me. I think, that's me. I, I, I think it's good, but... I, I, I know that it's a discussion that we've been having for almost two years now. Yeah. But, like, I, I literally think, like, I literally think this idea and concept of whether or not there's a 3NCU meta is just fucking worthless. No, I, I mean... Like, lit like, like, 
and, and not just your discussion, like everybody's discussion. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually just don't care. No, neither play do two, I. I don't one, care what it is. Play zero, play four, do whatever you want. I, but this idea that, even this idea that, like, you now are analyzing whether or not this new piece that they've introduced is designed to stop the three NCU meta. It's like, who cares? Yeah, people will use things that are most efficient, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think that this changes that in any real way. I don't think that it impacts two NCUs more than three, more than four, more than using Gilly as a seventh NCU or whatever you want to say, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I think that she is good for her specific reason that she can force the swords to remain open and untaken in rounds two and three, and maybe even four if your opponent doesn't want to lose it in round five as well, right? But I think that that part is good enough in isolation, and then her combined effect with possibly forcing Doran to be able to take the zones that he wants to take on zone on rounds that he wants to take is also important doubly so i think that if you're running doran you want to try and find the points for time if that's (laughs) if i can get that pronunciation once right i think that i would use her whenever i can find a point if i'm not hard capped at 28 points and i say 28 because i personally run three four point ncus whenever possible that's my preferred style yeah, it could be eight for you if you're talking two four-pointers or whatever. If you can find that one point and field 27 or you can field 31 and, and play two NCUs, bringing her will give you a lot of value. I, I mean, again, this idea, maybe, maybe, you run, maybe you run two NCUs inside Martels and you expect to play into three NCUs a lot. You totally ignore Doran. You run Tain and you run one other thing. And now you're going to force your opponent to skip one of the zones every single round or die because you're never going to have to take it. And you can also always force it to be one of their last three zones to take. I think that all of those are powerful pieces. I think she's worth five points. This idea and concept of whether or not she stops the three NCU meta is like, who cares? Who who cares? I'm using her. Because I think she's good. Look, I don't give a shit what the meta is, right? I think you misinterpret what I'm trying to say is like I care running three or two. I actually don't give a shit. My point is a proportion of the community do care. And it's been said that the design team have tried to push people away from running just three. Like, that's not me. That's lots of other people. And... Then the community is stupid, and the design <laughs> team continuously fail in that attempt. Well, the community being stupid is certainly an extreme pos- uh, position to take, but the position that the design team have failed to make it reality, though, I think is a much more reasonable stance to take. They aren't making this supposed design idea a reality. They just aren't. Um, yeah. So... One, two, three, four NCUs. Doesn't it's matter. 
practically it, it's it's smooth brain shit. Like it's 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 the most basic level of analysis that we did two years ago when 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 nobody really understood list design, nobody had looked and analyzed lists in that kind of way. And it was the first thing that I ever thought to analyze. Literally the first thing that I thought, hey, why don't I like look at three, two versus three and what their win rates are? Mm -hmm. I almost instantaneously moved on to show that actually what determines win rate exactly. back then, and it's still true now, is whether or not you're playing six, seven, eight, nine, or 10 activations. That's what matters. MCU count is a symptom of trying to achieve higher activation count, but it's a fucking pointless discussion. No, I agree. It's it no need to be had, and there's no need for them to try and create rules that diminish one or the other play style. I do think that irrespective of all of that, she's a good NCU who I would field. I would pay the one extra point over the four point NCU that I'm already buying to buy. Yep. Did you uh did you run this, Clarence? Uh no I didn't. Uh my um yeah, my first list with Herman, I used base starter, and that meant I only had 12 points, really, for my NCUs. Um, but, you know, I want to kind of uh, circle back a little bit to Carl's point, because I didn't think about how uh, the round where you need the water garden or something else, your opponent can support that round's uh, order generation for Doran. So, uh, you know, the idea that she can poison water garden or whatever uh, is really, really important. Yeah, you want you want six points out of Dorn NCU. You don't want four points, right? So you want mm -hmm. to make sure you have your 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 three tokens or your four tokens by the end of the game. So I think yeah, it makes a lot of sense to take her in, in that combo. Um and again, when you do that, you're going all in and just saying, I hope my opponent doesn't have Peter, right? Um so uh I think I think she's critical actually in that list, I'd say. Um and otherwise, yeah, I think she's very fair. Like, yes, she's gonna be really good against Starks, Greyjoys, uh, and Free Folk, but She's, I think, not going to be fantastic against the other races because I think most people have Peter and they don't care about that poison zone. I think there is a big issue for me here, which we've said a lot, and I know Carlos said it a lot, and he's coming up now in literally every discussion point that we're having around the control and the tactics board, but Peter is becoming ubiquitous. Like, I already think that he was. I know, Carlo, you talked about him as being the third NCU, but, like... When he's the third NCU in every list, he might as well be the first NCU. Like, yeah, and he actually practically is now. Yes, yeah, and with Martels, he definitely is. Right, definitely, yeah. definitely, 100%. Like, and that's my problem, is that it's not Baelish is better than your other NCUs. It, that was never really what I was trying to say with you should always pick him. It's uh, you should always just put him in your list first, because I can almost guarantee that the value he gives will be worth a four-point NCU slot. Like... He's your first NCU because you haven't decided what your list even fucking does yet. <laughs> yeah. um, and and with Martel's, like, access to Baelish is just like... I don't think this is a problem. But if I was a designer of a game, I would look at this and ba say that Baelish is a problem. I shouldn't design something in a game that everybody takes. I don't give a fuck, because I'm a player of the game. I'll pick whatever's good, and if that means I'm always going to pick Baelish, I'll pick Baelish. But from a design perspective, you don't want to make something 
which is picked in like 70% of scenarios where there yeah. is active choice. So having it appear in 80 or 90% of scenarios where there's active choice is really bad. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Paul, Paul, Paul's right, which is, yeah, chances are Peter moves to five points and still sees play. Yeah. Um, just to answer a few things quickly, Paul is also wrong. Wouldn't it piss you off if your NCU died on round six and you lose on tiebreakers on points destroyed? Points destroyed isn't a tiebreaker. It doesn't exist. NCU's dying doesn't do anything for you or your opponent, except, I guess, in a tournament, technically, they score that many more points destroyed. But the tiebreaker is points on the table. NCU's never counted, never have counted, never will count unless the tournament document changes. Um and just to answer Heather, though, she was already answered. If you move somebody, you can't force somebody onto this zone and cause them to be dead because of false agenda. Um, it's on claim. Claiming, claiming is not the same as being moved onto. Some people are saying that for Baratheons, like Alistair Florent is a, is a good counter. Um, no yeah. is the, the straight up answer to that. Uh, Alistair Florent is not a good counter because Alistair Florent doesn't counter jack shit, never has done and probably never will. Um... <laughs> Alistair Florent just allows you to have have the zone as a control but... after having not taken it and not claimed it and not had anything. Um, you know... Basically, he can sometimes use the effect that Baelish just can say, oh, I want to claim that zone now, right now. Um, the thing is, if... Which if, is, again, why he's just he's just a poor man's Baelish. If, if that's a thing, though, like, honestly, if that's a thing, like, Renicide's potentially, like we discussed before with the attachment rules, Renicide just runs Elena for one more point, doesn't run Alistair Florent, <laughs> because it's worth the extra point in this case. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to dump on the Alistair suggestion some more, but the Baratheons don't even want the sword. The only reason why they'd want the sword is to, like, control it against the Martell cards. Like, that'd be, like, 5D kind of, like, thinking ahead to, like, be like, aha, I want the sword to not be affected by your cards, not to benefit from my cards. And then they block the letters or something, and it's like, well, I'll just yeah. make crowns and with Baelish anyway, or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um... Carlo, why is Peter why is everywhere Peter a bad thing? Everywhere a bad thing? Um, any one unit, particularly a unique character, being everywhere is just not interesting in game design, and particularly him being neutral um, detracts from the uniqueness of other factions and detracts from lots of... Like, Peter being in 90% of lists means that there are eight other factions whose NCUs a number of basically see zero play. Whereas they all could receive 10% play in favor of um, Baelish receiving 90% play. So we'd just rather see more variety. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not enough. I was going to say, it's not enough to remove his once per game. Making him five points would be so bad for neutrals, like the neutrals on their own. That's true. Uh, it's a really tough nut to fix. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, honestly, at this point... In, uh, uh, they... Fixing neutrals is an argument almost as tired as 
MCU count. Yeah. Yeah, we won't go into that, but yeah, um, Baelish is Baelish is good, and Baelish is going to see more of this. I don't know, none of us care as players, but from a design perspective, you can't. Mickey just likes to whinge about Baelish seeing played because he plays Free Folk almost exclusively, and therefore can't pick Baelish. No, it's it's not. It's... So anything that empowers Baelish is a nerf on the old Free Folk. <laughs> I mean. Troll, troll is real troll there. Um, but I will just simply say that like free folk don't need the help from Baelish at the moment. Like free folk are very strong. Um, like I've got no problem with that. It's it's the fact that like why make something which is neutral the most powerful piece in the game? It's exactly the same problem that we had with Walder in the previous edition, right? Um, and yeah, Varys before. It's making these neutral NCU pieces the strongest thing in the mm -hmm. game. Is just not interesting, and it never has been. Yeah. Um, you know, so when I actually think, and side thought as well, if they're the strongest pieces in the game as well, it's what makes free folk better, ironically, because the free folk have to have something that can compete on a level with neutrals. They make something that's really good in neutrals, and so what they do with free folk is make the whole faction better. De facto, free folk become a strong faction without access to some of the strongest stuff in the meta. Nerf neutral NCUs, nerf neutral stuff, and you can then effectively nerf free folk along with it, and free folk won't be a good faction anymore. I actually think that that no, would be a solution. <laughs> and, and, and the paragraph. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Um, anyway. Heather asks how we're fixing it. Actually, I think Nathan's got a really good idea, which is you could just make him token based juice. Two, twice a game, or three times a game. Yeah, I, I was thinking probably sat it twice per game. Yeah. I, I would allow it, and like three times a game is like basically every time you're going first, or which yeah, is probably where you're like, going to use it most. Basically, um, I mean, like yeah. half the time I don't use Baelish anyway, right? Like because yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, so twice a game is too little. Twice a yeah. game is probably yeah. enough. Two, two's, 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 mwah, just right. Mm -hmm. oh. Um, and then Adam Nathan says, either with or without the once per game effect that you either could or could not have. I think yeah. you could keep the once if it's at two. Probably. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Or they could both be once per game effects. Do a Tristopher. Yeah. That wouldn't be terrible either. Right. Um, we'll move on, finally, to Namiria Sand, four point NCU. Uh, influence. Now, this influence is, um, is very good. And if anybody here plays. Uh, Targaryens and looks at Zarozo and Daxos and goes, oh, he might be quite an interesting NCU to put on the board. Well, you're now crying because this is just straight up better, uh, I think is, yeah, just way better. Um, it's an influence which simply says if your opponent or you control certain zones, then certain buffs are then given to said zone we have that she's very good crowns yeah i was gonna say oops sorry no it's all right don't worry crowns is vicious either player controlling swords is crit blow and either player controlling horses is plus one move go on take us Arakas. yeah sorry i was gonna say um in my Auburn list where i didn't run doran 
uh, looked at three four point MCUs. Uh, Peter was on the team, and then Alaria was on the team, and I went through the list of other four point MCUs, and she popped out. I actually didn't think she looked fantastic on paper, but then when you start using her, um, you know, by the time you start fighting, the tactics board's filled out. Someone's controlling those zones, probably. And then all of a sudden, your units have these great keywords. So it's just a solid, solid MCU, great influence, and she's four points. Very, 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 very good. Uh, she's good. Let me take back some varies. She's good. Yeah, I, I agree with, with the, the either of us controlling that they're cumulative, right? Like, I can have, we can have all three, right? And, and then the only limitation being friendly infantry unit, um, all leads, I mean, like, who, who, who's going to put Vicious and Crypt Blow on, uh, on Flayed Men anyway? Uh, because we already, we already get them. I think makes her very good. She, she, she's a real strong four pointer. I'm not quite into auto-include, but, like, giving things crit blow and vicious really pushes unit threat potential, if not the actual reality of what they do, but the fear of what they might do to, to, to really be high, high kind of position. I tell you why I... I use that, like, 100% of the time that I wasn't playing a Doran strap. I, the reason I think she's very good is like away from, um, away from Doran for a second, like without if we don't consider the plus one move, uh, which you know you grit uh, in free folk very very strong. I think said it before earlier today, movement is very very strong in the game, so giving yourself plus one move is very strong. Um, just opening with a swords play with Nymeria, giving a unit crit blow on the first attack of the game, is just good. Like, that's just a fine thing, and that's exactly what um, Lyanna Stark is doing in Starks at the moment on a one-death penalty, right? Um, and that's coming down for free. Okay, you don't get the plus one morale, but then you've also been like, right, that was that crown zone that I might want. Okay, it's not a good zone, but I might have a replacement effect if I've got door and commander, or I'm going to have... Um, some other effect perhaps off the crown zone that I might want to use. Um, even if it's just a morale test on you, fuck it. Uh, I can run that and get vicious as well on the later attacks. And if the water garden is in play, because I'm running the four point Doran, I might need to take crowns anywhere with Doran to get a point. And then this whole thing where, oh yeah, by the way, if you have a replacement zone for crowns yourself, like a heal or a movement, like an Illyrio, you're still giving me vicious. Like there's no penalty for me not taking it. Because you also give me the penalty. Um, and it's that double penalty. Like they're, they're, You're not stopping these effects in the later round. Mm -hmm. this... I think uh, I, am, I, I, have, I have the same question that Ilya has, which I don't think we need to sit and hash it out. But I don't actually know quite how um, the Water Garden itself interacts with this, with its effect being that your opponent no longer controls zones or whatever um i don't know the exact wording but i would be interested to know how it specifically interacts with it who controlling what means that if anything it gets lost and nobody controls it at that point but uh either way i think that she's good uh and i'd use her quite a lot i think people just need to double check their their water garden interaction um 
I'd, I'd okay. use it. I'd use it any time that I wasn't. So that that's actually for me. It doesn't particularly matter, which is because I feel like I'd use it any time that I wasn't using Doran. With yeah. Doran, I personally feel like I'm gonna use Baelish and, if possible, uh, the Strangler. Yeah. Um, almost 100% of the time. Um, so there isn't space for Nightmare. Plus, he's talking about offensive keywords by large majority, and your Doran strat for me is mostly going to revolve around uh, surviving through into the late game. Of course, you still got to do damage to threaten kills and score points and do things like that. But, you know, it's not our primary focus and it's not where, where we're going to stick a full point NCU. But I do think that, you know, if you're talking about Oberon um, uh, base lists or, um, you know, something more aggressive, then, yeah. She, she's really good. It, it does synergize or work with the water gardens. I have just checked the water garden wording. Water garden wording with while you control this zone, opponents do not count as controlling tactic zones for abilities or tactics cards. So Nymeria wouldn't count as controlling any tactic zones. But it says if you or your opponent controls, so your opponent does control the zone, therefore the ability would be applied. Because you okay, don't count your as opponent takes. If I control swords and I can control crowns, for example, and my opponent takes water gardens, then I then neither of us no longer control any of them, right? You know, you garden. control water gardens. I don't control crowns or swords anymore. So I'd get the third yeah. effect, but not the first two. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. Cool. Um, right. Moving on. Moving on. We have Oberyn Martell, the four-point NCU, who will probably see play because his name is Oberyn Martell. And if you're not running him on the field for an extra wound with Expert Duelist or his commander, you're probably running him as an NCU uh, at this point. Like, you've got three options to take him. He's going to see the field. Hot-tempered. Uh, while influencing a friendly unit, each time it, an enemy attacks this unit with melee, you suffer... Two hits plus one for each of the defenders' remaining ranks. This is overgrowth on an influence card, but only affecting melee attacks. Do I think this is good? Yes, I think it's good. Yeah, I think it's good. Clarence, <laughs> you have you, you have him right. Um, so he comes in just to check. He comes in heroes one, and he's a new sculpt, a not an NC, a specific NCU sculpt, and the combat version came in the Starbucks, right? Yeah, the combat version's got a cool spear, and the NC yeah. version's just kind of chilling. Yeah. Ah. Cool. Doing, doing the cool chill pose. Yeah. This will see play. The, the actual thing that I think makes Oberyn bad, <laughs> if I can call him bad, is the fact that he's an influence. Like, that's actually the thing that probably makes him not as good, because usually with influences, you typically only really run one influence from your three NCU package. Um, and he's just competing with other influences, which are pretty good. Um, so yeah, that's yeah. probably the only reason he doesn't see play. But even then, like you could almost run him in a second as a second influence, because you'd throw this on the other one of your two units, which are at risk of being attacked in a given round. Um, yeah, I think he's fine. He's fine. He can't be much better. No. No. Um... Next up, Illyria, uh, Illyria Sand for four. Uh, Lysine Charm. So, when she claims a zone, target a friendly combat unit, you may remove one condition from them. Okay? If you control swords, target two enemy units in long range of the targeted friendly unit. Place one condition on each of those enemies. 
This is. I think this is really strong. Really good. Yeah, really, really good. good. Really good. Yeah. Possibly the best of the three. Yeah. Easy. Easy for you. Mm. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Um, yeah. A, she's four points. B, she's helping you removing tokens. She's placing tokens on you, which has so much synergy with so many parts of your army. Um, yeah. She's always doing something. Maybe I just get control. more comfortable with sand skirmishes being within short range of people. But everything I've felt so far is that Martels really would like a long-range unit. That they would love to probably bring Stormcrow Archers. Sure would, with that reposition, absolutely. Yep. I, I feel like their affinity to take swords at all times, even when things aren't engaged, their affinity to keep their opponent off swords, uh, their desire to soften things up before attacking, all those things really lead to me saying, like, I think Stormcrow Archers feel like a really strong fit for them, but I, it feels maybe like some kind of desert archers. I mean, if you if you gave them, if you gave them the Greyjoy archers, we'd be talking top tier faction right now. But you know, like not everybody's allowed to have <laughs> Greyjoy archers. Greyjoy the best point archers in the game. Yeah. No, not even the faction at the bottom of the rankings is allowed Greyjoy archers that often. Oh wait, that's Greyjoy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is actually funny because if you look at a lot of um, Mikel's lists, and I know Mikel obviously a very good player, right? But a lot of his lists, it's like Greyjoy archers are about the only thing he sees multiple of ever in a list. Uh, Greyjoy bowmen, so. Um, yeah. Anyway. Valeria, uh, I think I, I think she's really top tier. Whether you're running archers or not, uh, taking swords zone control is already super powerful. Um, Doug, no, that's all I'm going to say. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I think that uh, yeah, she she might be close on auto include for me. Yeah, and I like it that unlike Caitlyn or Daenerys, she doesn't have to remove that token either. So you can like. Like double dip in a way, certain yeah. kind of uh, abilities. Yep. Cool. Right. Let's go on. Dora Martel, four point. Uh, we don't know what this guy does. Let's just skip straight over him. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dora Martel. Um, this is the big one. This is the the one that we've talked about without talking about him multiple times. Um, he. Action defining. Yes. Yes. He is quite literally faction-defining. So I said it earlier, right? For me, the value of him is... Let's take out... Let's call them corner case interactions. Whether or not they become really common interactions, we'll have to see. But let's assume that Doran can at least apply pressure that your opponent has to be taking and blocking these zones. Let's begin with that assumption. Now, I think that applying that pressure and forcing them to take zones that they didn't want to take at times when they didn't want to take them, otherwise they risk just losing points rounds five and six, 
four, five, and six, even possibly, if they just give you free reign. I think that that pressure for a four-point package cannot be underestimated. Forget whether he actually scores you points. Forget whether he actually wins you the game or you feel like he won you the game. I think that the pressure that he applies on your opponent to be the instigator, to be the aggressor, to possibly look to table you rather than do whatever, to force themselves to be three, four points up instead of just being happy with being one point up, I think that all those things are absolutely invaluable. And I don't think any other faction can bring it to the table for four points. And that's why I think Doran's so important and why he should be in one of your lists at all times. I also, for me, feel like he pushes um, the... For want of a better term, he pushes the issue regarding um, you have to be an, you have to be the aggressor to try and not lose. You have to be aggressive, and he plays away from the early game kind of like tactics board rush we call it, right? But they're generally widely considered in the first round, round one, round two, to some extent round three, depending on what cards you've got available. You generally fill the tactics boards first. Because you don't want to give a position of a unit's activation away to then be abused by the tactics board and your entire enemy's uh, opponent's army. And the water gardens as a zone forces on-field activations earlier in the round. And if you can do that, if you're going first as Doran, the Doran player, on round three, I worry quite a lot that you basically force your opponent to have to be aggressive in round three where they might want to set up for an opening on round four and if you can force people into these very aggressive round threes where they normally want to be setting up for an aggressive round four that might well be a like a game defining way that martels win games like i am thinking about how i not build around it i don't think building around it is the solution i am thinking about how i play around that how do i force and what units do i have in my roster that go right he's going to force me to make movements early how do i do that um how do you feel about him clarence yeah, no, I I don't like him. Don't <laughs> like him. I don't think I would include him in one of my two lists, honestly, because I feel like handicapped entering a game where uh, a tournament game where my opponent has Baelish in both his lists, and I go, well, I can't use my Doran list, uh, probably, assuming he was built to just run away and hide and stay alive. I feel Why though? He's still four point NCU. Who does nothing? So that's terrible. I want everything to do something. I don't want a four-point and see How many, there, how many people out there desperately say, if you created a three-point NCU that was blank, I would buy him 100% of the time? Yeah. Right? How many, how many games do you... How many games do you have Baelish 
we all agree is practically a 100% pick best four point NCU in the game for like various reasons. And he uses his ability on one of four or five rounds. Oh, uh, his ability. Okay. I don't know about that. I think Baelish probably gets in at least. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, the pressure alone, I don't care if he scores me a single point. He forces you to take a zone that you didn't want to take at the start of round three. That's an effect that was worth being four points for. So, so problem number one for me is, again, I don't think he... I don't like it that I feel like he isn't giving me value into matches where he countered. And then my second problem is, you know, there's some factions that would be like, cool, you're going to score six points rounds four, five, and six. I'm just going to come and kill you. And that was my plan anyway, because I play Knights, I play Targaryen, and I play Free Folk. And I was never going to hang back and like, play the game slow. I was always going to come out and kill you anyway. Um, so, I don't know. I just if, don't we were, if we were even talking about him at five points, and we'd paid one point more than somebody else to have this ability, I would be, talk- I would be like, more on board with your discussion, right? Like that, where one point... Is it worth spending a point to have this? Right? But when we, we do, this is the bare minimum that you can pay for an activation, right? Like, this is the bare minimum that you can pay for an NCU. He is bottom, bottom dollar, cheap as things get. And yet, the impact that he could have is huge. And also specifically, I want you to talk through why you believe that Baelish 100% counters it. Oh, uh, so... Let's say you're playing Martells and I play, you know, something with Baelish, right? So round yeah. one, you're guaranteed to get a, your token. Round two, I would take the, you know, crown. Or I guess round two, I could even just take the water garden as a water garden, I guess. Yes, you do. You've right. got two options. You can take uh, water gardens or crowns. Right. So round two, I take water garden. Let's say you don't get your token. Round three, you'll get your token. Sorry, sorry. Uh, no, specifically... How did you yeah. stop me from taking the crowns? I'm going... Oh, so the Martell uh, player is going first. Yeah. And second, right? It alternates. Cool. So yeah, you're so taking... You're taking water. water Garden, and then you're taking crowns. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, you actually... Cool. You Baelish... Cool. If I could make you take a shit zone, Water Gardens, and then crowns, if that was a four-point NCU ability, I'd say that was an amazing ability. Well... If that was my entire ability, which is you must take Water Gardens, then Crown at the start of round two, I'd say, man, you're going to have a bad NCU round. I now have letters, tags, swords, and horses with which I get three of with my three unactivated NCUs. Yeah. I mean, that is just come to me. You just walked right into my strategy, which is. I'm not here to score points with Doran. I'm here to force you to block Doran. And the more you try and achieve it, the more Doran is worth his points. That's true, except in that period of time and, like, depending on what you've got, you've already activated all your combat units. Or a good proportion of them. They're already activated. Two. two. Right, like, you, you can, can make only it three. Take, you can only, Baelish can only force me to activate... You can make it three. Two. 
Baelish crowns, take water gardens, one. You then take water gardens, two. I then take whatever letters, swords, whatever the open zones left with my third NCU. With my third NCU. Yeah. So if you, so you then... force me to activate a Oh, third sure, sure. So there's only two. Yeah. Unit. So you're going to force me to activate two units. Yeah. It's like, so what? Half, half of all games is like a unit of spearmen activating and saying, uh, yeah, I do nothing. Yeah. Plays yeah, so away from I, I counter, plot, uh, counter uh, not counter ploy, cunning ploy in the base deck. Forget the side effect to that, you know, if you play against, uh, you know, Intrigue or Elena, he's not good either. I'm, I'm even thinking, like, in my home, which is going to go long, right? Would I rather have Doran or would I have, rather have another one of those four pin NCUs, Oberyn, uh, Ilaria, and uh, Nymeria? And I really think I'd rather have guys who will always have, like, an on-field kind of effect. But, you know, I, I will say I didn't think about the fact that I, you know, may have spent two NCUs to take two undesirable zones um, at a key moment. Checking out round three, it's on wolf and horse. I mean, you might want the horse run. I mean, just think you wait. If I'm Peter, I would, what, round three, take the envelope, use it as the water garden, then take the horse? I mean, that's not terrible. I don't know. But again, but no, I, I, you yeah. keep using the water garden, and I think that if you also build the list around the idea that using the water garden isn't the worst possible thing, and hey, what do you know? Our five-point combat unit like, has set for charge, has uh, the ability to shift. Like, it's one of... And it has okay defensive stats of like a four plus six plus, right? We'll come on to it. But like, it is up there with Wardens as the most pass token combat unit can be. It can right. almost handle itself in a fight. It's not free bait to be just charged by anything if already activated. It can hold objectives fine. I think, I think everything about them is set up around Doran, Water Gardens, being one of the most subtle control pieces in the game, I think people are going to be obsessed with the amount of VPs that he does or doesn't score. But I think everybody will wildly underestimate the way it manipulates people around the tactics board. And I think that that is huge. How do you feel it's about cool. him rather than going second? But how do you feel about when Doran's going first? Which is kind of when Doran's like at his worst, because you're having to take in your first two activations of the turn. I assume, we assume Doran is going to want to take one of those two zones, probably. Of course, not always, um, but he's going to want to probably take one of those two zones first. Uh, so he he's nearly always NCU one or NCU two. Um, now, if you're taking water gardens yourself, you can force on-field activations that you can then respond to and things like that. And like the reverse is true, and um, on mm -hmm. the upturns, if you will. Um, how do you feel about that? But like you basically, so what are you basically saying that? I mean, I don't feel the need again in like pressure situations to activate Doran and take a zone that I don't want because if I activate and take a completely separate zone, yeah. then both are still open. Now you still have to go ahead and use water gardens water gardens into so 
assume you have Baelish. <laughs> yeah. If I now assume you have Baelish, you can water gardens and then do whatever other effect it is. Yep. If water gardens is one of the two things I need, end of list here. But if not, then you're going to have to Baelish the water gardens, then take the water gardens, then take the the third zone, right, to block everything up, right? If if water gardens is none of the requirements, uh, for example, round three, letters and horses, and I go ahead and take swords, you're still going to have to block letters and horses at the same time. And the only way to achieve that is through Baelish onto water gardens or use of water gardens itself and if that's a trade then i'm happy to make that's a trade i'm happy to make again i don't think that you need to do anything more than pressure to score two points on round six for him to have continued to gain value i think you should pick up your your tokens and your points wherever possible but I don't feel that he's at all unplayable into Intrigue and Subterfuge. I don't think he's unplayable into Elena. I don't think he's unplayable into anything. Because if you're utilizing all of your shutdown on my four-point NCU, then I've already won the exchange. Because I'm a four-point NCU. I couldn't have gotten any cheaper. I couldn't have been any worse. It's the rough equivalent of you utilizing your best, best killer units and killing my five-point chaff. And I'm like, objective achieved. I just wasted your time. While I actually went ahead and won the game, how I intended to win the game, what I did was I drew all of your focus onto this thing that you thought was important. But actually, it was just an added nice little bonus for me. That's all well and said, and I actually do like agree with that sentiment because as and this comes from a free folk player's perspective, right? And it's worth remembering, I basically can't stop you. Like as a free folk player, I cannot stop Doran. I actually can't. It's not possible, right? The only thing that I've got to play into me, ironically, is Mance. You know, Mance Wildling diplomacy. Well, how can you say Wildling diplomacy is actually one of the hardest counters to it? Yes. I'd say it's more a hard counter than. Well, than, than yeah, but you haven't got you know you're not running solos for a start so you're not like it's not like you're suffering like you're losing activation or anything like that it's just one condition token and some wounds um twice um which you know that's not nothing but it's like as the martel player you should just be accepting that and moving on straight away anyway like again you should just be saying right well it's going to happen can't do anything to stop it just move on um I think the big thing here is that I'm already thinking, like you're suggesting, in that I can't stop it, so I'm not even going to try. I'm now going to have to win the game, assuming my opponent scores basically six VPs. Um, and I'm going into the game with that mindset already. Um, mm -hmm. Which I think is a hugely beneficial mindset for the Martel player. Probably. If I can walk into any given game, game mode, and have you think, I've got a table in, or I lose, then I'm like, I have the upper hand. Like, I can do anything. I, 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 I can sit in the corner and force him to table me. I can go out there and fight him. I can, you know, like, 
I, I, I can I can do a mixture. I could play the scenario. I could not play the scenario because you know what? I can win those points back later in the game. All I have to do is exploit whatever comes up. But that the pressure's on your opponent to do it, I think is incredibly important. And that's why, like, that, that's where Endless Horde's value comes from. The pressure is on you to do something before Endless Horde means that they just have more units than you and 24 free wounds, right? And it's the same reason why people don't like Melisandre, because if you just sit back, then yes, eventually Melisandre is just going to kill a unit. And all of these things that people think are incredibly powerful, you've achieved it for four points. And personally, I will hear nobody who says that the soft value of that isn't everything that Martels are about. Well, I'm, uh, you know, I, I definitely uh, am more convinced he's not useless. I actually thought he was useless part of this conversation. <laughs> um yeah, the 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 fact that i do get bad zones is something it is something i will i will try but yeah i uh it'd be interesting to play out i think i definitely will experiment with him i think he fits right into herman um so i think there will be some that's the thing i don't know how you can say he you thought he was useless when i watched you play a game and outside of a issue commands out of activation charge. Oh, what a one. Which yeah. four plus, I believe. Yeah. You yeah. win that game only because of Doran. Yeah, no, I, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. Anecdotal data. <laughs> In a one of one sample, Doran <laughs> technically lost, so he's worthless. No, I mean that game. He was he was pretty cool, but yeah, no, I just I just thought about the fact that to me he felt like why I don't take Mel in my browsing armies is that I feel like if I play against Night's Watch Targaryen's free folk, she's not really going to get a lot of value from me, um, and that means I kind of have to use my second list. I don't like that. I'm like that. So I thought Doran is kind of similar, but worse because my opponent has Peter. I figure I don't want to use Doran. I still probably don't. I still probably think he's not going to do great for me. Um, but I'm willing to concede that um, it's not as bad as I thought because you're right, taking those two zones can be a big problem. Leaving envelope bags, swords open uh, is can be pretty bad. This is what I always say. Um, so you're talking about like, oh, I wouldn't pick him. He doesn't work for me. But this is the question I always ask myself. I think that you should be asking yourself. And, and honestly, I, I don't know what your answer will be. If I played him and I showed you my two lists, do you think, oh, shit, he's playing Doran? Or do you think, oh, easy win, he's going for Doran? Um, right now? If it's enough to ever make your opponent be like, oh, shit, he's playing Doran. I'm going to have to totally change my strategy. And that's all I ever want from any given unit that I put in my list. Yeah, but right now you're, you're going to tell me you think it's easy win if your opponent plays Doran. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. <laughs> Only because the are underdeveloped. They're underdeveloped. They don't have all the tools yet. Um, 
Which is <laughs> yeah, I think I think you play into Night's Watch and Targaryens, they come kill you anyway. That was always going to be their plan anyhow, you know. So I don't know. I think this is uh, I think this is one of the those ones we shelve and see what happens because yeah. But I'm, I'm very curious. Very curious. I'm sat there and like I'm thinking, yeah, I can see how I would use him, and like I'm not thinking. I'm now thinking, how can I make the most of Doran? without scoring six VPs from him. And then like and basically asking the question even like how can I make the most of Doran when I might only score two VPs from him? I don't think You make the most of him because you take the Strangler yeah. and any game where there's not huge use for the Strangler, you strangle onto the water gardens and now your opponent can never block him or they lose an NCU. And and now it's like, and now they're just they're just enhancing each other. They're doubling down the pressure. I think the the, the question though, like not so much like how can I get how can I like craft the rest of the list to get value around Doran, assuming Doran doesn't score a single victory point. I do believe that there is an answer to that. I think you can build a list that has value where Doran has zero abilities on him. But the threat that his oppo that the opponent would perceive is enough to take advantage of. Um, I don't know how good the list looks at the end of the day. That's the problem. Is I don't know what as we're going to have a look at in the units in a second. I don't know if I can look at the lists and go, okay, that's a reliable list that will do well on the field with those seventeen, uh, sorry, thirteen points spent in NCUs. So, we'll look at those now. We'll dive in to the units. Are you ready for this, Carlo? Because they're going to come up in completely not the right order. Yay! Yay! We're going to start with Sunspear Dervishes at six. Um, six move, swift retreat, uh, four plus, seven, six, four profile. Four armor, six morale. You're going to hear that one quite a lot. Uh, Dervish's Blade, which has precision when attacking enemies that do not have uh, have not activated this round. Sorry, this attack gains crit blow. Pretty cool. And they also come with Elusive Escape for six points. I think they're a really reasonable package at six points. Yep. Yep, completely yeah, I think. I think that... The things that they have are relatively synergistic together. They're not like the super top tier of like, um, you know, uh, swift, um, you know, like um, what whatever ranger hunters have, you know, like whatever even that stuff is. Swift strike with maneuver and shoot and all that stuff, right? Swift but like, fire and swift strike, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's a whole bag of tricks which are very useful. And so that it comes in at six points. When I saw this unit, I was nervous it would come in at seven. And I'd say that's dead on arrival. But at six, I think that it has enough different variant uses and plays into the whole strategy of just being elusive and annoying and all that kind of stuff. I rate them. Yeah, the important thing, I think, is to just don't expect them to deal a lot of damage because hitting on fours is just so, like... Anything can happen. Yeah. Especially with no ability, uh, no abilities that are common 
certainly for gaining re-rolls in the base deck um, and things like that not super common so terrain effects which as we know very very common in the game right now removing re-rolls means that the precision crit blow thing like you've got precision with maybe crit blow this is exactly the kind of unit that might just walk into something and make it go blue in front of you uh but most of the time it's probably just going to be like hey look here's like an, a wound or something to gregor and kind of like four or five hits and yeah take that um I think that if you position them well, elusive escape can be really powerful too. Yes. Um, yep. Particularly being the non-pivot part, uh, with additional three-inch shifts following it up from support from your spearmen and all of the stuff that they can do, you can easily take a charge. They've got the kind of profile that says, I'm not going to die in one hit. And then you can retreat and you can leave that unit such that it now can't see anything else and it can't charge. Forget, like, oh, I've opened them up and I can flank them now. No, just leave them. Just leave them out of combat. Leave them requiring a maneuver just to get somebody back into their charge arc. And I think that that could be um, really impactful against some of the, the the really hard hitters that are out there at the moment. I think the other, the other big one for me um, on this front is that uh, the elusive escape with the shifts and things like this, getting into flanks and potentially rears of units is vital for Martels in a world that has not much Sundering because they don't have much Sundering in their lists. Mm -hmm. um, Do have relatively ample use of precision though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that potentially is an option uh, at six. Pretty good one. So moving on at seven. The Royal uh, Sunspear Guard. Uh, you didn't run these, did you, Clarence? Um, no. So at seven, they are five move, uh, three plus seven, seven, four, four armor, five morale, martial training, and shield wall. Uh, so this is Night's Watch Royal Guard. How do we feel? <laughs> this is about as Night's Watch as a unit gets uh, in a seven yeah, point I... unit. I, I... I think they're good. Like, I, I find them actually incredibly comparable to Unsullied Pikemen. Uh, we've swapped Set for Charge for Martial Training, which overall I think is actually an upgrade. I, I really like Martial Training. Um, I think that Set for Charge is very easy to work around, whereas offensive order like Martial Training can be quite useful. Um, and it allows you to take the charge and then afterwards and make one powerful attack which is very impactful with rerolls and, and vulnerable and blah blah especially in relation to shield wall uh, as the second order right yeah so. exactly which means that you can take that charge and uh, and 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 uh live with it i think that it's important that they are one of you know we can talk about spear in a minute but like that they can take a charge and keep going and fight well on second rank and all that stuff I think is an important existence inside of the Martels because it's not a given. Uh, so overall, I think they'll see play. Um, I don't think that they'll be spammed. I think they're a one-of when they're used. Um, but I think that they're a useful a unit to focus your army around. Yep. I will 100% think that this is the frontline unit that Harman Allah just says, right, you go 
<laughs> and uh, you pour all your support from Harmon into this unit, which slowly dies while Doran and the tactics board shenanigans happen over there. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm bored with that. Right. Uh, in at seven as well, the Sand Skirmishers, um, otherwise known as Ranger Hunters. Uh, there are three plus range attack at short range, seven, five, four, and then four plus to hit in melee, seven, five, four, four armor, six morale, quick fire and scout openings from Jorah. Uh, coming in at seven points. They are everything that Ranger Hunters are, except they hit at four in melee rather than three. And they lose Swift Strike in favor of Scout Openings, which means the synergy with Quickfire no longer there. Um, they also lose a point of morale. Not, not everything. They gained plus one armor. And lose a point of morale, though. They trade it. Uh, they they gained plus two armor. No, plus one. Plus one. Five to four and five to six yeah. in the morale. Um, which, which I don't think is insignificant when what the meta has really done to come and meet Ranger Hunters is uh, put traps and auto hits everywhere possible. Um, so I think that, that 4 plus 6 plus is, could be considered a favorable profile um, over, the, over the 5 plus 5 plus. Um, I, I do like scout openings. Yes. Is it favorable over swift strike probably not well you sh well Clarence is shaking his head i actually think that the explosiveness of the ranger hunter charge retreat shot is it is is incredibly impactful it's incredibly important but things that can survive that once you utilize that one quick fire order Swift Strike now has very diminished value, whereas Quick Fire Scout openings are self-synergistic in a different way and actually really open you up to doing real damage to Champions of the Stag. The thing that, like, the thing that um, Ranger Hunters are really struggling with because they don't have any keywords to get through that armor. They're, I'm not going to tell you that they're better than Ranger Hunters because Ranger Hunters have access to the Watch Captain. Now, if these guys had access to the Watch Captain, I think we'd be talking about them in the same bracket and the same power level and the same uh, same flavor but different. Yep. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just to throw in real quick there, I think... You know, I'm glad you mentioned the watch cap. That's the problem for me is that you have more than one chance to swift strike and get out because of that watch cap and because of for the watch, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, yes, precision's better against high armor, but the explosive damage is usually generally better. I actually think that sense permissions are fine at seven points. They're actually, I think, fair. I think the over range is a little overtuned. But uh, no, it's definitely useful. Um, and I found out the other day that you can still kind of get the double activation or double attack in if you like kill something and then with your surge get your shot still. So it's not like That's you true. don't always. Yeah. yeah. Um. I I think that not 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 to talk about all the perfections. I think the ranger hunters would be absolutely fine in comparison to these guys if ranger hunters maybe their ranged goes to a four or their melee whichever right like. 
They could just be the inverse of each other. The Ranger Hunters could have melee on a 3+, plus, range on a 4+. plus. These could have the range on a 3+, plus, melee on a 4+. plus. The 4+, four, four plus save, 6-up morale versus the 5+, plus, 5+. Plus. I think that they would be comparable right across the board, and I think that that would be a really fair comparison, and I think that that's something that needs to happen to Ranger Hunters. We'll move on then. <laughs> uh, nothing more to say about that. Um, and finally, we move on to the staple unit, five point spearmen. Uh, they're five move, uh, four plus seven, seven, four, five armor, six morale, with set for charge and tactical reposition on a five point unit. This is just good, uh, in my opinion. Uh, set for charge on a five point unit just is something you don't really want to charge and kill. Um, and uh, the much better order of tactical reposition allows you so much pressure from like range units starting in and out, uh, putting pressure on a unit, you know, with a, you're on a flank that's maybe is not um, activated for you, but they're activated on their side. So you can move a unit closer to maybe get off a charge you otherwise wouldn't want um, to move a unit back out of charge distance range whatever uh makes dance of dragons hilarious because you can walk up and take a token and be like ah move two and then i shifted nine back <laughs> um <laughs> over the course of the round so yeah um just a good five point unit i have nothing more to say than that than i think this is a good five point unit that will see play and because it's not movement four isn't a piece of shit yeah i mean it's a five point unit that is filler but it can still impact other things. It's still useful and still supports. It's like the equivalent of uh, poor fellows with the champion of the faith, right? We take them because they're filler, but hey, we also grab Warcry, right? Like this is this extra little thing that we got. It wasn't just a pure filler unit, like say Guardsmen were in that case, because Guardsmen, yes, they're better one-on-one. -on -one. Yes, they're more self-contained. Yes, they can look after themselves better. Are they supporting the rest of the army? No, they're not. Whereas these guys, they're five points. They've got enough that they're not a free kill. And they've got support involved with the, what it can do for the rest of the faction. And I think that that's really, really, uh, really, really good place for their five-point unit to be at. Clarence, yeah, I just you want to chip use this, that, right? Um, yeah, they're, they're really good. Again, they're, their value is that tactical reposition. You know, their yeah. the five-plus armor makes them squishy. The morale is average. They don't hit super hard. They're nothing special as a combat unit that fights per se. Their value is that extra three-inch move. You can pull off some really big brain plays. Uh, for any newer players, be very careful with the timing. It's easy to forget. You use it at the start of the enemy turn. Um, and another use that um, I found out the other day when I played with them is that it's great when you're in combat and the horse is already taken up. You retreat. Your opponent can charge you again, but at the start of their turn, you shift backwards another three. So you've kind of gone like five plus three plus d6 away from them, which makes uh, follow-up charge in their part to achieve. Yep. Awesome. Um, all right, then. So uh, we'll do one last segment before Arrakis disappears, um, and a small shout-out, of course. Um, and then we'll talk about the other things that we've got. So Jesus Christ, it's going to be a long one. I very much hope before we both disappear. Yes. Um, so, um, let's have a look at this next thing. So, this next thing would be, we wouldn't have a normal week on here if it wasn't for some Cool Mini or Not, right? So, Cool Mini or Not this week, let's have a look at this particular piece. Somebody's already painted up Martel's. So, is that a normal Spearman or is that Spearman Captain? I think that's a spearman, like a normal spearman. 
What do you think, Clarence? Do you think it's pretty good? I think it's okay. Not bad. Yeah. You know, typical, typical coloring. Not too shabby. <laughs> Carlo? I uh, I thought the um, the scopes were pretty good in general. Um, and I think some people have been hating on the uh, dervishes and like their kind of like crossed arm sword positions. I quite like them. Um, you mean this guy? Yeah, I think I think those guys I think those guys and those sculpts are really really cool. Uh, you know the paint jobs um, are really fast fast and ready but bright. So yeah, I I, I didn't think I was going to want the Martels. I always think that I'm not going to want the next faction. Uh, I think I want the Martels. Fair. And uh, and just to sum it off, Carla, how would you rate? So we've got the three models there. We've got the Pikeman, the Stormcrow. Not Stormcrow, fucking the Dervish, and the the, the Sand Skirmisher there. Um, it's a uh, quick out, quick draw zero. Quick, quick draw, draw zero. There we go. Quick draw zero. Just for you, Clarence, because these are Clarence's models. Got them on the table, super quick. <laughs> these are, of course, Clarence's models uh, that he's finished painting up. Um, super quick to get them on the board. And yeah, they're really nice. Um, so cheers for that, Clarence. Right then. How, 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 do you, how do you feel about the scopes as a whole, Clarence? Were you, were you pleasantly surprised? How do you feel about the characters as well? But a pain in the butt to paint because they're covered in layers and layers of different clothing. They've got um, all this paraphernalia and I, I'm compelled to paint them different colors. They've got like straps and, you know, shoulder pads and trim so they're great sculpts but i don't know how i'd paint them very quickly like it would just take forever. yeah cool right then with that ariakas uh obviously i know you need to head away um and uh i guess we need to give you a shout out for uh what is now a week away right Yes, yes. So uh, I just want to promote my event one last time. It is sold out, but if anyone is in the um, Ottawa area and like to come down and check it out, um, I'll be streaming as well as inspired by the Gen Con stream, and I managed to secure some equipment. I did a test run today to make sure it worked. Uh, I'll be testing again on Friday at the venue itself to make sure the connection is good and so on. Um, so great can you open summer. Uh, we got players signed up ready to rock and roll. Uh, the Martels are now on the stats site, which means they're also legal to use the event. So we'll see if that um, brings anyone out to change your list last second. Um, I think Gamma asked when is list lock. List lock will be up to the day of. So Friday will be the last day for list changes. Um, and yeah, so please come on down, check it out. We hope to run more um, in 2023 during the winter and summer as well. It'll be a great time. And uh, hopefully people will, will tune in on the stream. Yeah, definitely will do. Uh, be convenient times and I look forward to it. Look forward to seeing some, like the Canadian scene, obviously come up and more. And uh, it's always good because this is like the equivalent of your nationals, isn't it? Uh, or at least what you're trying to get going is the uh, kind of like larger events that are going to be running um, in that area once everything kicks up again fully for you in Canada. So yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, folks, for your time. Thank you for having me as always. It's always mm -hmm. been a pleasure. And um, I'll tune in for the rest of the show later on. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Clarence. You take it easy now. Bye-bye. So, that leaves just me and Carlo, and uh, we are approaching four hours, Carlo. Yeah, I mean, like, is this uh, in the terms longest of the, episode? Uh, the schedule Mickey put together, I think we're on item two of six or something like that. 
Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we aren't going to cover all of it today. <laughs> no, can, can we not? Can we? Am I allowed to go home now? Can I go? <laughs> no, no going home. Twelve hours, can Carlo. <laughs> can I eat dinner? It's eleven o'clock. No. Can I have a glass of water. Uh, I mean, I'm out as well. Um, we will mention what we'll cover next week because uh, we've obviously talked about Martels. There's one more thing I do want to cover today because it makes sense to cover him today. We've covered every other faction. Why not just talk about it as well properly? Uh, the other thing that was added to the builder is, of course, Varamir six skins. Varamir um, six skins. All right. Yeah. Okay. We'll do all the builder stuff go. today. Varamir six skins. Varamir's on the site. And. Carlo, is he the most pain in the ass piece of shit that you've had to code for a while? Uh, no, actually, um, Doran with Arrow Hope was. Yeah. Um, okay, fair. The yeah, requirement I forgot of an MCU commander, which they've totally gotten rid of, so it kind of like depreciated the code for you to even have an MCU commander, that then forced you to then also automatically pick an on-field commander, which both have a requirement to have each other simultaneously. Yeah, most things require, like, this thing requires you to have something else. It's like, to have this, you must have that. Uh, Varame was a bit of an annoyance um, in that it, there's him and the cat and the wolf. They require him. If anybody doesn't know, he, he is free when picked as a commander, but you must pick Shadow, Cat, and Wolf. Therefore, technically, he mo he costs you five points. So that's how I went with it. It was a bit of annoyance, but uh, yeah, I, I I think that overall, uh, no, it's not the worst thing I've had to put in. What do I think of Varamir? <sighs> I think um, I think he could be further meta defining, which is I don't necessarily believe that. He will end up being the new Mance top tier, for sure. So I think that for a start, I think that Varamir plus Shadowcat at five points, non-commander, is probably going to be the most impactful way or most common way that it is used. And that's going to bring you two activations for five points. Uh, I believe that's now the new cheapest two activations that exist in the whole game. Unless anybody wants to correct me. Cheaper than yep, cheaper than Stormcrow Mercs with Relentless, cheaper than all sorts of other stuff, right? Yep. That's the new cheapest thing that you can have. Varamir himself is no slouch, and the Shadow Cat is just what you want him to be, which is completely out the way, generally speaking. Um, I think that that will open up even more extreme Mance builds. You can talk about a nine-activation Mance build that has Mag in it, uh, I believe you even still have points left to like have have Warcry, have Stire, NCU, whatever kind of other things you want in there. Uh, I believe that he does just about open up semi-viable 10 activation um, mants or, or 10 activation stuff. Um, he himself, of course, can be 10 activations relatively easy because he brings reactivations for that initial cost of five points but i think those cards are pretty shit so i don't think that that's a big issue i think that we're going to see a return to people wanting to be able to get rid of like the shadow cat as quickly and as easily as possible and that's why i feel like 
it again might be quite meta-defining. If people reliably have a way to get rid of the Shadow Cat, then this isn't the new best Mant build. But if that becomes a requirement of nearly all high tier lists, then it is still defining the meta anyway. I personally don't think that. I mean, the Shadow Cat for two is obviously very good as an activation. The problem is, as you say, it's kind of gated behind Varamir. And Varamir, two activations for five, doesn't unlock uh, 10 activation lists that are any different than any other 10 activation list. That's actually like the big thing here. Um, because you breach the four-point barrier. Four-point barrier for two activations is nuts. Five mm -hmm. points for two activations is exactly the same as eight points for two activations in terms of the activation count that you can reach. So therefore, the maximum activation you count you can reach with Varamir and the Shadow Cat is going to be ten. And as a result, I think you'd much rather take solo Varamir for three, allowing you 31 points for your remaining nine activations, giving you a five-point Raiders with Tormund in what was the old 10-activation Mance list. The only difference is that taking Varamir Commander for free and the two animals for five allows you an 11-activation build if you wish it to be. But the problem is that then you've got the Shadow Cat and the Wolves and Varamir, all low health solos. Varamir is basically like Shaggy Dog, in case you didn't know, he's very similar to Shaggy Dog, but slower, basically. Um, and plus one armor. And plus so one I would armor, say right. better. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, it depends. Shaggy Dog, you want the speed rather than the armor. I think Varamir, you want the armor, not the speed, um, because you've got the speed from no, the other two. I'd, I'd, I'd replace Shaggy, I'd, I'd, take, I'd lose the speed for, for the armor on Shaggy. Myself you go to day. you go to three armor for four movement. Yeah, because now okay. because because the fear with Shaggy already is outside of auto wounds, you're never sure how many wounds you're going to do to him. And because he gains plus one die for every wound that he's suffered, even when he's like already taken one wound, got three wounds left, a powerful attack still might not kill him. At three plus armor save, you're going to have to significantly invest to kill this guy. Mm -hmm. You're not allowed to chip away at him. You're not allowed to just like go here and there. You're not allowed to get free attacks on him because you might just be powering him up. And the more you push that into a three up armor save rather than a four up, you're further saying even things like a vulnerable token now aren't going to guarantee you a kill on this guy. You might just piss him off and do three wounds to him. And I think that that is his biggest strength and where things get really problematic. Add that in with almost definitely going first and last. This guy isn't just a three-point activation. This guy's a three-point activation who can absolutely murder units in the four- and five-point range. Probably. With Sundering Ambitious. Um the four plus morale does open him up, unlike the dogs at two. Like the four plus does open him up to some of those more kind of like cancerous, if you will, kind of like ways of killing things with like Mel and stuff. Uh, I shouldn't really call them cancerous, but like those, you can just oh, you roll a double. The fucking Gregor problem, right? You you crowns up Gregor and you go, oh, well, I lost Gregor on round one, and that just sucks. Um, 
you can't do that because you don't have the plus one wound, but there are things that give plus one wound and you know, and he's not benefiting from mounts really in terms of like mm-hmm. the morale bubbles. Um so yeah, I, I think he's good. The problem with his commander version um is that I his... don't mean his commander version just isn't good. Like his yeah, three cards are all shit. Like Yeah, they are. They're bad. It's it's a it's a it's a a bonded version of issue commands, which means that it's not as good because it can't be used on everything. It's a bonded version of Sentinel, which is okay, but like not that great because the units you're attacking with are really lackluster. Um, and the other ones like basically diversion tactics. Bond no, uh, it's return a unit, which is good. You can return a unit. You also have endless sword still. Um, but the units you're but, returning but the point is, is at three points with no gated requirement yes he in himself allows a nine activation mance build but yes. when I, um a ten. nine activation mance and mag plus mag yeah. right you can now buy everything for four points that means that you've got um what is it 32 points uh no sorry 28 points mm-hmm. has bought you Seven activations, and now you can buy three points for Varamir, nine points for Mag. Yeah, and that already feels problematic. You can choose to buy the Shadow Cat for two more if you want to squeeze out points somewhere else. If you really want to grab those Thens, you want to grab that War Cry from Tormund, you want to grab yeah. whatever you want to grab, right? Like because what the free folk can currently do is field a mance nine which doesn't have mag and they have some free points to spend around around and get some nice things that's why we don't see mance 10 which is currently available because like that extra four points you might as well lose one unit and have more variety have more skills have more stuff to share around but and a nion guaranteed last then first with mag is just a problem. And that's before we say that I think that Varamir in himself is very, very powerful at three. I actually think that I've just doubly convinced myself that forget the Shadow Cat. Varamir by himself at three points has already enabled everything that you needed to enable. You don't need Tormund in a mag list because you don't need Warcry vulnerable anymore as much. Mag will get you through most things that you need them to. On top of a nine activation, throw in the possible endless horde. Yeah, I'm. I'm oh, not that, as that's where I see Mance lists naturally moving to, and I see it as an improvement over the current Mance list, which is already the number one thing in the game. I personally don't consider that Mag list any better because I think that Mag isn't better into the things that currently free folk struggle into um like if i'm if i'm playing like stuff where maggie's really good like champions of the stag anything with these like high armor saves anything where you care about these big damage attacks and these big kind of things i just don't care about those lists already i already activate them out activate them with eight activations i don't out activate them with nine or ten anymore so I don't need to out-activate them because they're running at 7. Um, the lists that I care about, the 9 list from, say, Night's Watch, 
mag doesn't help that much into because it does help a little bit but i'm already able to get attacks like that off and you're never going to be engaged with me to get my free attack off anyway the question is, is do ranger hunters struggle killing mag and if they do struggle killing mag and they can't stop me killing them then it's worth considering um because yeah that's just that's just my consideration when i've been list building um even if you don't yeah. want to run mag, I still think that Varanir oh, yeah. at three points in isolation is already Very good. too good. Yes. Um, I, I, I think here, like there's a list like this where you run some trappers, some raiders, one with torment, you can maybe run with weeper and a raid leader, and then the ability to maybe like take one or two frozen shore chariots and run a ten list where you just go, right, here's two units of raiders, just deal with them, and now I have two activations of chariots or Varamir where I want them with cav moves and things like this that are going to come and kill you. I have a core four or five infantry units, and then I have just this mobile force which just goes around and just obliterates things. I do agree that a ten list like that at Mance could well be better than the nine. And also, I do think that list has more play into Night's Watch. Um... So yeah, um, I don't know if it makes them better. Problem. Don't know if it makes them better, but it is a problem. Uh, the actual good thing, I will say this is a good thing. Varamir does with his monsters and him at the price point that he is, he does enable better mag commander builds, which is one thing where like in list building there was just no support for um we're not talking about meta at this point but we're just saying like a, a, an underused and underappreciated and undervalued like that commander was kind of sucky um he's now better um sure i'm glad I, i'm glad varamir is out for that purpose i'm not happy that he's made something good potentially better so um yeah there we go hey hey I don't understand how they still haven't learnt the lessons of the past. Nope. They, they broke a rule for me because they gave Free Folk a 3 activation unit, and as soon as you give Free Folk a 3 activation unit, it allows you to think of a 10 activation, not a 9 activation, with points to spend. Um, and then they added in more than one 3-point activation with potentially a 3 and a 3 and a 2. Like you can run really silly nine activation lists, which have all kinds of weird tech in them, or ten activation lists, sorry, with weird tech in them, um, if you really want to. Here's the problem. Here's the real problem. I would run, I would run, Aramir in 100% of factions, 100% of the time, if he was available. I mean, name so, a faction. Name a faction where I'm not buying him for three points. You, I mean, he has no stipulations to be bought. I mean, it's interesting because Jora is the same, right? Um, Jora should be running targets. Jora is not the same. Right? Should... Like Jora is a support piece, whereas Varimir, Varimir, is a Jora doesn't. Jora doesn't threaten. Jora doesn't threaten to kill units in his same and higher points bracket. Whereas Varamir no. does. You I could mean, say the same thing. Yeah. I would say the same thing about Shaggy Dog. If you offered me Shaggy Dog without the requirement to buy Rickon, which I don't think is even a harsh requirement, I would buy him in 100% of my list. And he does appear in a ridiculous number of stock lists, right? Yeah. 
like he does. Um, and personally, I believe that Varamir. I had forgotten these two worst morale. I would say that Varamir is as good as Shaggy. Yeah, I, like, I think he's like, equivalent. I think he's equivalent. They are. They are equivalent. I'm and, glad he's. I'm glad he's not six movement as well because you could make him seven with your grit, and that would be fucking stupid yeah. if it was a seven movement. You yeah. Shaggy. Um, and I, I think, and 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 I would buy him all the time, and that is just a problem. Um, I I don't think you're allowed to just say, oh yeah, but like only free folk can take him or whatever, like, and oh you can't 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 compare cross faction or whatever you want to say. No, I agree. Answer to that question, that unit would be bought in 100% of factions, 100% of the time for a player like me in in the way that I list design. Because at very worst, he's turned a four or five point unit that I was going to buy anyway into saving me two points, which, like I say, does not come easy. Those two points, that one point is hard to come by. And I mean, can buy me an incredibly influential NCU or something else like that. I don't feel like with his three plus armor and his decent morale, the only thing in the whole game that Varamir is scared of is wildling diplomacy. I'll. I'll just straight up say it as well, though, right? And I think this is very important. Three three point activations are picked up in nearly all example cases in all good lists. Relentless, Shaggy Dog, to some extent the other wolves as well, but they start to peel off in terms of their effectiveness. Um, and you can only really run one, or people only think of running one in Starks. Um, Jora, although you say like he's not very good, he still appears in a fuck ton of Targaryen lists because he's a three point NC uh, activation. Um, like, three-point activations are already good. Like, you don't even have to tell me Varamir's stats. And I can just tell you, he's good, or he's okay. It then becomes a question of how do I use him, not how do mm -hmm. I include him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Like, that's just three-point activations, though. Right, they're just good. Um... Oh, man. There we go. That was Varamir. There you go. Uh, we're not going to talk about the Shadow Cannibals. If Cannibal Martell's had him, they'd be twice as good. <laughs> uh, we will finish off today, then. Uh, we have got things like FAQ that was released. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about uh, LGT FAQ and some of the other things that are off the back of that. Next week, we'll talk about um, what the fuck Carlo did in America next week, unless Carlo wants to do it now. Um Nah, that's way too long a discussion. Yeah, exactly. So we'll talk about that next week. Um we will maybe even I don't know if Clarence is going to be coming back if he wants to, uh, and he can talk about the Great Canadian Open and the enjoyment there of that. Uh, um, and we will also talk about uh, I've forgotten the fucking list of things we're going to talk about. Some other stuff. Um, anyway, there'll be new stuff by then. Yeah, I'm sure there will be. So all of that to wait for next week. We're over four hours now. One of the longest ones we've done in a while. Um, so. This week, we'll finish off, we'll run through the tournaments very quickly, and uh, one special shout-out as well, which I'll quickly do quickly here. So, Carlo, do you recognise this man down at the front here, in this image? Never seen him before. Never seen him before in your life? Uh, no, congratulations. He, he's, looking, he, he's got a great <laughs> hammer going on there. He does have a great hammer. Carl uh, Kirsten. Um, won the event that happened in Southern California, California, uh, 
the last week. What did they call it? Did they call it? Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember now. It had a cool name. Uh, yeah. It'll be in the Hall of Champions. I saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already won. Um, already loading it up. Um, it is battle, battle for the axe. For the axe. Which is funny because he won a hammer. Yeah. Uh, the message he sent me is the hammer is in stand for Euron's axe, which is currently in the mail. It hasn't actually arrived yet. Ah. So there you go. Yeah. It was literally the battle for Euron's axe. That's cool. So uh, that's uh, great. It looks like they've got good attendance, and uh, yeah. it's really good to see that lots of people are holding their prizes, and uh, you know that everybody, not everybody, seems to have come away with stuff. Which I'll probably get onto it, but has been a gripe of a few people from US nationals. Yeah. You know, like great prize support as a total. But, uh, but, you know, the distribution is uh, incredibly top-heavy, and I think it's always better when it's not. So mm -hmm. um, that looks good. Yeah, definitely. So congratulations there to Carl Gerson. Um, all right, then. So this week, here we stand in Russia. We've got Kampf und, an Rhein und Ruhr in Essen in Deutschland and Germany. We have uh, Team Pivnitsas, uh Russian... Uh, no, Polish, sorry, Jesus Christ, they'll hurt me for that. Uh, the Polish group meeting up um, uh, in Warsaw in Poland. Um, we have uh, an event happening in Belgium, the Song of Hassad, Hassad and Liquid, which I'm going to guess is Belgian for uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Um, we have an event happening, another one in Russia, which is really interesting. I'm not going to read this out, it's in Russian. I have no idea what that says. Um, the Great Canadian Open, which we mentioned earlier, uh, obviously uh, Ariakas is running that over the weekend. Please do follow along with that, and there will be streams. There's August Rumble happening in Helsinki in Finland on Sunday. There's uh, another event in Poland, of course, on Sunday as well by the Bolter crew. There's Battle for the Beach happening in Myrtle Beach, Battle for the Beach 2, in fact, um, which is great to see as well. Uh, there's also a song, of, a song of August and Fire tournament happening in California in Sacramento. Great to see that. Uh, and that's what we've got. So 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 events happening this weekend. Um, and, yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, it's great to see. I know that Paul's staying there. Chelmsford Bunker in September, up to 21 players. Great to see that community to keep on growing and, and thriving there. Um, it's lovely to see. And... Uh, it's good to see players reporting. It's good to play see communities. Um, we'll maybe talk about that in the future. Uh, talk about where we think that the game is going and what the communities are doing, where we think life will take One us. One of the things the that I still need to update is um, need new banners for tournaments on the site. Uh, the LGTs, the, the German nationals happened. Uh, the, um, on Welsh, the Welsh GT, it happened. So uh, the LGT is the only one which is still yet to happen. Um, guys, if you wanna if you wanna get your tournament promoted, just you know contact me. I need a square banner uh, of um, of of good picture quality. I kind of let the German one slide, but uh, it's been annoying me how bad the uh, various faction, how pixelated the faction banners are on them uh, has been annoying me for about two months. So I should be quite happy to take that down. Uh, but yeah, guys, if 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 it is of any value to you, then just get in contact. 
and uh, send me a banner and I'll put it up happily uh, to promote the events that you're running because, you know, you promote you promote the site to be used, then I promote your event to be run, and hopefully uh, we can all be one big, happy, competitive community without any stigma attached to the word competitive. Uh, on that note as well, if anyone does need a banner but doesn't have anything, they want to make one or whatever, and they just have an idea, I'm not going to say I'll spend a lot of time on it, but I can throw things together that I know work for what Carlo needs. Um, so I can throw something together with actual images and things like this. You know, so I'm not saying I'll do it for everybody, and I'm not saying I'll do it necessarily very quickly, but uh, I will put something together if you're desperate um, and you don't necessarily have skill, ability, or technology to do so. Um all right then, Carlo, it's been four hours and 15 minutes. I think we should probably end the episode. Absolutely, yeah. All right, see you later, guys. Have a good one. See you next week. Ready, aim. There's too many. Anyone see my mammoth? Oh! Stop it.